Good morning, New York sports fans. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. We'll be talking all things New York sports till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday, football Sunday morning. Or, as I always say, late Saturday night if you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps. I'm coming to you live from the Mike Francesa, who's now enjoying semi-retirement studio here in lower Manhattan. There are Christmas decorations up in the lobby, all on the streets. It's Christmas time in the city. Of course, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa as well. We are two hours into Football Sunday, December 8th, 2019, and we're going to be together a lot tonight till 6 a.m., so let's load up these phone calls. Um, I've got Nick behind the glass with me tonight, and he's ready, willing, and able to take your phone calls. You know the number. It's already saved. 877-337-6666. Let's load them up with your best Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Knicks, Nets, whatever you got. Let's do it. Um, I've got two tonight very special guests for you. First, uh, we can introduce, or I can introduce, John, uh, John Schmelk. He's WFAN's New York Knicks blogger, host of WFAN's Bank Shot New York Knicks podcast. He also covers the Giants for Giants.com. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things regarding these Knicks. Um, the manner in which David Fisdale was fired from the New York Knicks. Who's to blame for the dumpster fire that is called the New York Knicks? Their current roster, who assembled it. Uh, maybe the fate of some other executives within that organization. And of course, we're going to introduce you to the Knicks interim head coach and Mike Miller. And we'll also kick around some names for a permanent head coach replacement. And just so you know, I, I was closing my eyes. I actually was able to sleep a little bit before the show tonight. But the Knicks lost tonight on a missed free throw with .1 second left. And that was Julius Randle. And you know, just sometimes it just happens. The guy's a 72% career free throw shooter. And he just missed tonight. That's it. Pressure got to him, I guess. And uh, precisely around, well, not precisely around, but around 2.40 a.m., which is in a little while, got an exclusive interview just for you with Brandon Nimmo, the New York Mets. And that was at the, I pre-recorded, obviously, um, that was at the Italian-American Baseball Foundation's annual gala in Brooklyn the other night. We touched on, and this is from Wednesday night, so it was new news. We touched on the Wheeler deal. Uh, I asked him about the Wilpon selling the team. Uh, his new manager, who is former Mets outfielder Carlos Beltran, obviously Nimo the outfielder from the Mets, or one of them. I even asked about the impact of uh, the team of the uh, impact on the team of the cheating allegations against Beltran, and just, just so much more. Um, Brandon Nimo, he's always very um, giving, and and I appreciated that. Very honest. So um, that is coming up around two forty, probably around two forty three or two forty four, um, and that's it. So we got John Schmelk, and then we have Brandon Nimo tonight. So here we are on the 8th night of December, and that was, of course, John Bon Jovi, New Jersey legend. That's a whole lot of leaving his name in the song because here we are on this 8th night of December, and we're set to debate, I'm sure, in the phone calls, among other things, which New York City metropolitan area professional sports coach is going to be next to do his leaving around here. Well, uh, who would have thought that the longest tenured coach of our nine pro teams in our four major sports, that the Nets' Kenny Atkinson is the longest tenured. He was hired on April of 2016. Wow. In fact, 
Who who would have thought that the first domino to fall was going to be the New Jersey Devils coach, John Hines? That was uh, Tuesday, December 3rd. And by the way, at the time of Hines' termination, because I did look, the Devils were 9-13-4. That was their record. Equates to a 346 winning percentage. The Devils fired their coach, who had the highest winning percentage of any team on the hot seat this season. That doesn't bode well. Because then you got uh, next highest would be the Jets at that point in time four and eight, three thirty three winning percentage. Then next at the the Knicks at that point next were were four and seventeen with a one ninety, and then the Giants at that point were sitting at two and ten at one sixty seven in the worst division in the NFL, might I add. So at that point, I, I you know right right after this happened, right after the Devils coach was fired, I took to Twitter at Coach M C C A R T A N. To ask all of you, who are you guys are pretty good. You're pretty on target most of the time. I asked you, who was the next New York coach that's going to get the boot? Well, the question I exactly I wrote was, with John, John Hines out as head coach of the Devils, which is the next New York coach, quote, on the hot seat to get the boot? I gave three choices. Adam Gase, Pat Shermer, David Fisdale. 55% of you said Pat Shermer. Well, 55% of you were wrong because... Maybe the Knicks weren't listening to the results of our poll on my Twitter because they said, like, four days later to the rest of the New York City Metro teams, you ever see the memes? It says, hold my beer. Because the Knicks fired their head coach, in my opinion, in the most cruel of ways. They made him conduct practice and a media session to preview tonight's game on Friday. And then they fired him right right thereafter. That's cruel. I get it. If you're a Knicks fan, this season marks the 74th season of the New York Knicks franchise. They've played in over 6,000 games. And they've never lost two consecutive games by more than 30 points until this week. Someone had to pay for it. Fisdale obviously was looking over his shoulder ever since that upper management impromptu November 10th press conference that we talked about right here. These losses against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are, have tied for the best record in the NBA, and the Denver Nuggets, who are the sixth best team in the NBA, sealed the deal, signed, sealed, and delivered for David Fisdale. The teams that remain, with their coach nice and toasty tonight, on the hottest seat in this bone-chillingly cold, what is it, 24 degrees night in New York City are, I think we can all agree, the New York Jets and New York Giants. So again, I took to Twitter. And obviously I took out Fisdale, so I gave you the updated poll with this, the remaining two choices of Adam Gase and Pat Shermer. Who's next? In an overwhelming vote, 90% of you say that Pat Shermer will be next. Well, I could see why you guys can think that because the Giants are on Monday Night Football this week and they're going to take their eight-game losing streak right down the Jersey Turnpike, right into Philadelphia, in a divisional game for a division that no team seemingly wants to even win. By far, it is the worst and least competitive division in the NFL. And are you sitting down? Because the New York Yankees, so you should be, because the New York Yankees and, more surprisingly, the New York Mets have won a game more recently than the New York Giants. The Yankees obviously had that playoff stretch. The Mets and the Giants both lost 
The Bills last won a game on September 29th. The Mets on September 29th had won their last game of the season versus the Atlanta Braves two hours after the Giants beat the Washington Redskins. So the Mets have won a game more recently than the New York Giants. And here we are in week 14 of the NFL season. I could see why you maybe want Pat Shermer fired because Saquon Barkley hasn't seen a 100-yard game with Daniel Jones as quarterback. I could see why because after 28 games, Shermer has won six less games than Ben McAdoo. And maybe you don't like the way he conducts his press conferences. But in his defense, he's got a defense that gives up 28.2 points per game. Fourth worst in the NFL. You can't win many games with a terrible defense like that. Daniel Jones has got the sixth best passer rating for rookie quarterbacks. And he's thrown a rookie best 18 touchdown passes. Which is four more than number one overall pick, Kyler Murray, this year. So you know. Which means that Daniel Jones, therefore, is better than Dwayne Haskins, who everyone was crying about in the draft when that the Giants skipped over him. And like we talked about on here, Daniel Jones' propensity to fumble the ball, and not only fumble it, but fumble it and have the other team post points pretty much directly off that turnover. He's got the most turnovers for a single player in the NFL. That's bad. But he's a rookie. And can you imagine if the... Giants defense didn't crumble in that second half versus the Cardinals. Can you imagine if Devon Kennard didn't have that strip sack scoop and score on on Daniel Jones in quarter one of that Lions game? Because the Giants lost by five that game. Giants lost by six to the Cardinals. And can you imagine if the Giants were able to successfully make two field goals in Chicago? The Giants lost by five that game. Because we wouldn't be having this conversation because the New York Giants would be five and six, tied with the Eagles for, for, or five and seven, and they'd be like one or two games behind the Cowboys. Pat Shermer can't snap the ball in the air on a field goal try. Pat Shermer can't kick that field goal. And Pat Shermer wasn't the one with only one hand on the ball in Detroit. He can't run the routes for receivers that struggle to create more than one yard of separation. And he isn't calling the defensive plays that have his team giving up the fourth most points in the NFL. Because guess what? If his players executed, we wouldn't be talking about this. Maybe there'd be some rumblings of it, but it wouldn't be like this. It wouldn't be at a favorite pitch. Because, again, the Giants at that point would be playing meaningful football this weekend. And Giants ownership hasn't said anything about the fate of Pat Shermer, probably because they want to retain him. And they're turning to Eli Manning this week to do it. And I'd have to say that I am in, according to that poll, the remaining 10%. I think Adam Gase should be next. And don't call me up here with Christopher Johnson, gave him a vote of confidence. He said he'll be returning. I know. I also know that Christopher Johnson told a fan with a sneaky video camera that he hopes his team shows up to a game versus a winless Miami. They ended up losing that game, the Jets. You want to go to the Jets game with me later today? Tickets are $8.97 on the secondary market. You can't even go to Wendy's and buy dinner for that for two people. You, But you can get yourself into an NFL Week 14, not even the last week, football game. That is embarrassing. That is a bad look for the New York Jets and Adam Gase. You season tickets holders, you have a right to be furious. And you know what else is embarrassing? Against the, 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 the Jets have the best run defense in football. Something Pat Shermer can't say that he has because the Giants are ranked 21st in that category. But Adam Gase spent all week planning for a game against the worst team in football. He didn't even eat Thanksgiving dinner with his family to come up with that game plan. The result of his valiant effort the quarterback guru, the offensive god, 
His offense never got into the red zone against the 0-11 Bengals. And the Bengals actually have the worst run defense in all of football. Jets ran the ball 17 times with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell! I'm no quarterback guru, offensive guru, but that would have been my plan of attack to run the ball. It's actually amazing what Sam Darnold has accomplished in spite of Adam Gase. Provided that the opposing defenses can sit back and cover 76% of the time. And speaking of Darnold, Adam Gase didn't roll his quarterback away from Carlos Dunlap once of the Bengals. He had more sacks in that game, three, than he had combined in the entire rest of the season. Two and a half up until that point. The Jets became the first team in NFL history to lose two games to teams with at least an 0-7 record. And in the Bengals' case, much worse. You can click vote on Pat Shermer all you want, but he hasn't made history with pitiful losses like Gase has. And while your football and basketball teams may be inflicting nightmares into your sleep, remember, there are 65 days until our pitchers and our catchers report to sunny Florida. And while our New York teams are headed southbound to the Sunshine State, and that's my girl Carrie Underwood, uh, with all of the hope in the world, because the Yankees, in my humble opinion, are the odds-on favorite to win the great Garrett Cole sweepstakes. And Yankees fans, I'm not telling you anything you already don't know. You have a ruthless general manager in Brian Cashman who will pull out all of the stops to get his man. And you, as you know, Cashman and his contingent, which included Andy Pettit, who pitched for Houston and won a World Series with the Yankees, flew to Southern California to meet with him on Tuesday. You last saw the Yankees do this in 2009 with CeCe Sabathia, who, from Northern California, was widely believed to be a West Coast guy. The Yankees' last World Series happened in, obviously, 2009. It's no coincidence. I went back years ago and found something very interesting that Cole's collegiate catcher said. He said, Garrett is a big CeCe Sabathia guy. He's still a huge Yankees fan, and he gets intense when he watches the games. Now, a few nights ago, C.C. Sabathia told reporters about Cashman's home visit for him back in 2008. He said that sealed the deal. If Cash didn't fly to California, I probably wouldn't have signed with the Yankees. As you know, Cashman got the man he wanted then, and he will again this year. And every single Mets fan's wildest dreams and prayers since 2002 have been answered. New York Mets, uh, Will Ponds, are selling the team to a billionaire, Steve Cohen. And the Mets are poised to be one of the richest teams in MLB moving forward. Let's hit, let's hit the calls. Everything's on the table. Can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight on The Fan, and he's Marco Belletti. Got a little Drake going on here. I'm Danielle McCartan, McCartan after midnight here on WFAN Radio in New York City. A city that never sleeps, as you know. Um, and the New York Knicks... They lost a, how do you say, I don't, there's no other way to say it, a heartbreaker tonight because Julius Randle comes up short with .1 seconds left. Clangs a free throw. He's a 72% free throw shooter, and this was just, I don't know, the, the minority percentage tonight that he missed. And that is Dagger, although it was close, and and the game, I'm saying, the game was close. For Mike Miller, it, it's a start because the Knicks hadn't played any close games up until that point, basically. 
and tonight they lose a heartbreaker by one. But man, a free throw is a free throw is a free throw. No one's guarding you. It's you and the rim and the ball. That's it. So Mike Miller, Miller's taking over a team where the Knicks uh, are, score only, uh, up until tonight, 100, point, 100 and a half points a game. Good for last in the league. They commit the most fouls per game in the league. They have the worst field goal percentage in the league. And they have the worst points differential in the league. That's a lot of worsts. And David Fisdale, as a result, got the axe. Let's head out to Mount Holly. CJ, you're on the fan. Danielle, how you doing? Good, how are you? All right, you know what, with the Knicks coaching situation, it really doesn't matter who the head coach is. Everything needs to change in this organization. They need a, new, they need a brand new president, general manager, assistant GM, and probably a dozen different scouts. It really has to be a start from scratch. You can't just be patching up little things here and there. Let's just get the right personnel to run the team. That's more important right now than the coach. Well, I mean, yes, because, you know, in it's been 19 seasons. The Knicks fired Jeff Van Gunny in 2001. They've had yeah. a revolving door. Of head, they've had 12 head coaches in 19 seasons. And who's to blame for that? I mean, and they've had... GM after GM and everything, too. It falls on ownership, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, the buck stops at the top. And you know who the owner is with Dolan. But if I want to have an interesting coaching candidate, you might think it might be a little bit wacky, but at least you can motivate a team. How do you like to see Rick Pitino return to the NBA? Well, that would be certainly the big name, CJ, that um, people would maybe be hoping for. Um I I don't know. I have another name. I hope that Dolan does give a, a look, um, and we'll talk about this with with John Schmelk uh, coming up. But I I think I think Becky Hammond is as good as any. I mean, she's got she's obviously a basketball legend, especially around these parts of New York City with the New York Liberty. Okay, she's had a obviously decorated career with the WNBA. You can go back. You can go on Wikipedia and look yourself. And she's got, after this year, at the end of this season, she'll have five seasons as an NBA head coach under Greg Popovich. Why not Becky Hammond? But the question is, is she going to get a real shot with the Knicks? Because, see, if I'm a, a, a big-name free agent, or even or even a big-name coach, let's, let's take the coach perspective for a second. If I'm a big-name coach, and I, I see that the Knicks have had 12 head coaches in 19 seasons, including, you know, the interims since Van Gundy left in 2001. Uh, you know, maybe there's going to be a Van Gundy reunion in this next year. But if I'm looking at that and I'm saying, well, if I'm Becky Hammond, I want to get my coaching start, head coaching start, I'm not sure if I want to do it with the New York Knicks. And if I already have a proven track record as a head coach, I'm not sure I want to jeopardize that with the New York Knicks. So... I don't know what kind of uh, a talent they're going to attract at the head coach position. And obviously to win, you need some, some good players. Because the Knicks, they are they are a funky bunch. They're, they're power forward heavy. They don't have a point guard. That's like operating a football team without a quarterback. That's how the Knicks are flying by right now. Without a real true. that That's like 
that's like in in football. I'm going to equate it to like running the wildcat offense with with a, obviously a player that's not really a quarterback is running the offense. That's what the Knicks are playing with right now. And until they can attract a, a talent like that, until they can attract a, a big name free agent, and which big name free agents coming here to play for? Now this would be 13 head coaches in 19 seasons. And then it would be, if they hire a permanent coach, not named Mike Miller, it would be 14 coaches in 20 seasons. I don't think that's too attractive if I'm if I'm a, a big fish free agent. And as we know, we know the story. The Knicks missed out on them. KD and Kyrie both packed their bags and went to New York just in Brooklyn. Chris, you're in Manhattan and you're on the fan. What's up? Hi, Danielle. Nice to talk to you. you too. Uh, a couple things I wanted to touch on. Uh, you, you, you were just talking about the Knicks. First of all, the Knicks don't defend at all. Mm-hmm. They don't run back on defense. That bothers me. That bugs me. That, that is, bothers me. That's just that's effort. That's after made baskets by the Knicks. Yeah, I know that. And the other team gets a fast break. I yep. don't know how that happens for anybody. Yeah, you got Spencer and Dinwiddie. Other- when you watch the Nets, you got Spencer Dinwiddie crashing the boards every single time. Oh, Kenny Atkinson gave a press conference, and he said that 60% of the shot you get you have a 60% chance to go in and crash and get an offensive rebound because 60% of the shots don't yeah, fall in. They could be set for that, right? Yeah. Right. I, that opened my eyes. I was like, wow. That was a couple days ago. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And when these guys it's are throwing just, the ball up and running back, I mean, come on, man. It's just, it's that defending and rebounding is all bizarre. And if yep. you can run up and down the court, yep. you, anybody can do that. Yep. Another thing I, I was talking to the gentleman who put me on a, uh, is anybody going to say anything to LeBron James? Because he was a big endorser of Dave of, of Fisdale, okay, back when the Knicks were looking. Mm-hmm. He, he spoke up for Fisdale, which. LeBron, you worry about your own team. Well, and the same thing with Greg Pop- Popovich and Steve the Weiner Kerr. That reminds me, Col- like you just said, that right. reminds me of Peyton Manning speaking up for Adam Gase and, and look where the Jets are. Yeah, and look where they are. And everybody should mind their own business. Yep. And like I said, I don't know why Steve Kerr with five wins and Pop's struggling with it. Worry about your own teams. Worry about your own organization. Yep. Don't be commenting on the Knicks. That's all I have to say, Danielle. Yeah, uh, Chris, okay? we are in lockstep, Chris. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, yeah, mind your own business. It, it, it sounds right to me. Sounds right to me. And, and LeBron James is another thing. I mean, let's let's not um, let's let's not talk about his talent. He is a talented player. He he he, he he's one of the most talented players of our generation. On the court. But man, when he is not playing, he's like a little kid. He's like, he's, you know, obviously what bothered me was part of the, the reason was the the water bottle flipping on the bench. What was that, two, a year ago, two years ago? He's sitting on the bench. He's creating a distraction. He's flipping a water bottle. Come on. You're a grown man. Okay. And if you saw, I, I don't know exactly which game it was. It was this week sometime, earlier on in the week. He is sitting on the bench. Like, he, he's his role at that point was a bench player. Yet he's literally inbounds on the court, cheering on his team with his socks on, on the court. That is ridiculous. That I cannot get behind. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You don't, you don't see, you know, we can all agree, I'm sure, that Tom Brady is a generational talent as well. 
You don't see Tom Brady carry on like that. He does other things. But he's not a total, total distraction in the way that LeBron James is. I mean, he's going to his son's high school games, and he's acting like a fool on the sidelines when a kid sinks a three-pointer or whatever, or, or slams home a dunk. That, that to me, I, I don't like that. You can't deny that LeBron James is one of the, the greatest basketball players to ever play the game. But the other stuff is a little bit ridiculous. And like Chris from Manhattan just said, mind your own business. Don't endorse. We're not in the business of endorsing because that puts excess pressure on the ownership, on the upper management of whatever team it is. I don't care what sport it is, what team it is. But it puts excess pressure on that particular body of people to just think about it. If you're a fan, just a, just a you know, even if even if you're a diehard fan, you're a loose fan. I forget the word. The word is escaping me right now. But if you're one of those, oh, like a like a, I can't think of the word. But if you're one of those fans that's like sort of kind of into it, and you hear LeBron James is endorsing. Ex candidate for the job. You're like, wow, LeBron James, he's one of the best players ever. He definitely knows what he's talking about. I'm going to get behind this coach because he endorsed him. And then you got the, the management of, of the team that's like, wait a second. No, no, we, we don't want that guy. But by that point, it's already too big. You can't not have that guy. And then you got to defend yourself against why you didn't pick that guy. And like, I just likened it. That's like Peyton Manning endorsing Adam Gase. For a head coach's job. I, I, that boggles my mind. Again, Peyton Manning. He's he's a generational talent, Peyton Manning. We can all agree on that. I don't care what your team you're a fan of, who he beat, whatever. Peyton Manning is a generational talent, and he comes out and says, Adam Gase is the guy. Adam Gase is the guy uh, for, for the head coach of the New York Jets. Uh, I know it. Everybody should know it. And at that point, I don't have any inside information, but maybe the Johnsons at that point didn't want Adam Case. But if Peyton Manning gets behind him, well, then you're going to have to do a lot of explaining to do when you don't hire him and say it doesn't work out with the guy you picked. There's always that question of what if with Adam Gase, right? I mean, I am very outspoken. I've been on radio shows in, in different parts of this country saying before that they picked Adam Gase, that he wasn't my number one choice. In fact, he was like my third or fourth. Fourth, probably, I'd say. My number one choice was Mike McCarthy. Why the Jets passed up on Mike McCarthy is beyond me. But maybe it was in part because of Peyton Manning's ringing endorsement for the offensive guru, quarterback whispering, Adam Gase. Who I don't know if you, you heard it when I said it the first time. Adam Gase didn't go to Thanksgiving dinner with his family this year because he was game planning to play the worst team in the NFL in the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, in 11 Cincinnati Bengals. And guess what? He lost. Long Island, Jack, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right. I uh, just had a quick question for you. Yeah. Uh, is it in the Giants' best interest to uh, lose the game and, uh, you know, obviously have a better draft pick? Or 
Do you think it's better to see Eli win? I'm feeling pretty conflicted about this, honestly. I want to see Eli win, but at the same time, I almost want him to lose because I'm, I would like them to get a better draft pick and... I don't know where I stand on the I know. situation. Jack, and I think, thank you for the phone call. I think you're like a lot of Giants fans. I don't know where Giants fans stand on all this because I don't I don't know. I mean, for me, the nostalgia factor, I want Eli Manning to come away with this game, this win, especially on Monday Night Football when the whole entire country's watching. But as it stands right now, the Bengals have the number one pick in the draft. The Giants have the number two pick in the draft. And theoretically, because the Bengals are looking at a quarterback, the Giants, theoretically, would have the pick of the litter. They need an edge rusher, and he's going to be there. So, I don't know. And we can get into that more a little bit later, because we're, we're going to talk very in-depth of the Giants. I think Giants fans are very conflicted as as to what, you know, what what they're going to root for this week. But obviously, I do not want the team to tank. That That's not in anybody's competitive juices to tank, obviously. So... Coming up after the break, I'm going to tee this up. We have a, I have a very, very exclusive interview with a New York Mets player in Brandon Nimmo, and that came from earlier this week. It was pre-recorded, I'm not going to lie, but it, it's still relevant. Everything in it is still relevant, and um, we're going to hit that after the break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Good morning again, everybody. Let's jump right back into this. I'm Dana McCartan on WFAN. We are talking the Garrett Cole sweepstakes. There has been no announcement made yet, but I, I think it's going to be happening sooner rather than later. I think Garrett Cole wants to lock this up, and I think Garrett Cole will be a Yankee sooner rather than later. And if you guys want to get on, on hold, there's a lot of calls. I want to get right to them. It's 877-337-6666. Um, listen, for the reasons I've outlined before, you got... Obviously, he's a huge Yankees fan. He's got some real strong family ties. His sister is here in New York City, works in a law firm that has four offices in our area right here. Um, They're very close. He'll save by, not save, but if he goes to California, he'll be paying $10 million more in taxes on his earnings than he would if he were to come here to New York. And I think that was this, the, the pitching coach change, the, the oust of Larry Rothschild and the hiring of Matt Blake 11 days later was in anticipation of Garrett Cole coming here and part of the courtship of Garrett Cole to the New York Yankees. Set out to Woodbury. Pete, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so, uh, you know, the last caller was saying uh, pitching's okay. I mean, clearly for the Yankees, We've seen it two years in a row now. Pitching, we need at least another ace, if not, I, I, I don't want to say two, but at nah, least an I, I think one because another, Paxson came onto his own. You're getting Severino back. Yeah. You know, I think I think one, one's the number. One and maybe some depth. Yeah. At the end. Sure. In case for uh, you know Montgomery or uh, Loizaga. Loizaga. Right. Whoever. Yeah. Or, and the guy doesn't come back. Yep. So, having said that, my other and and that would be great. I'm still skeptical. You guys all sound very um, optimistic about him coming. Um, I'm still skeptical because of the the West Coast bias that I know he denounced. 
But let's just say for a moment, perhaps that both of Boris's clients, maybe he goes to L.A., uh, the California Angels, whatever they are, and on Strasbourg uh, stays home. What would be your next? And, and I have a follow up too, if you, if you mm-hmm. just let me. Sure. What What would be your follow up? Would it be Ryu? Would it be Keiko? Bad bum. <sighs> now that Hamels and. Uh, Wheeler, or off the board. Uh, I'd probably go Mad Bum, Bumgarner, probably would be I, my second choice. I would too. And and let me ask you this though: How many years for what what amount would you go? See, he he's uh, he's been around, so I don't know how long. I mean, I wouldn't make it a seven year deal. I would make it, and I don't no, know. No, no. You know, I I don't know what he would. Would you give him five? Would you give him five for a buck and a quarter? Oh, hundred and twenty five million. Saying, yeah. After Wheeler, they're saying that's going to be a comp. Huh. Uh, yeah, I think the Yankees have to do it. I think they're in a position where they have to do it. I yeah. do, too. And and my other thing is, um, being a big-time Yankee fan, I, I bartend, so I, I probably watch every game, every game. Yeah. With, with people watching with me, and everyone has an opinion. Yep, um, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. Um. There's no lefties in the lineup. Yeah. So, Didi, I get it. I get it. Configuring the infield, there's not a spot for him. But he was clutch and he was lefty. Two of the things we're lacking right now. Yep. I know. I I know we can't give him the boat, but can we at least offer him three years, uh, 50-54? Now, if you're Didi, I don't know if you're taking that, though. I don't don't, because I think you're, you're expecting the big payday. You know, I, I agree yeah. from a Yankee standpoint. I think that's that's a fair deal, you know. But from right. from a Gregorius standpoint, I mean, he's earned it. I mean, he's coming off the, I, the surgery, but he he's earned that long term big money deal. Sure. And unfortunately, I, the Yankees I, can't give it to him. And I heard he wants to stay Yankee, but I mean, I haven't even heard that we're in the mix. I mean, at yeah. least if they make him an offer and he leaves, at least I'd say okay, he went back to Girardi. But yeah. if they don't make him an offer and he leaves, that that kind of leaves a little doubt. Because who knows what a shell is? Who knows what void is? Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, so I'm just, I'm a little concerned. And the hard off an injury, yes, it all looks good. LeMahieu, we only have for one more year, mind you. Yeah. I mean, we could always re-up him, but, you know, um, I'm just curious what you think about being, uh, you know, letting DD go and being very right-handed. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Pete, thanks. I, I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think. Didi Gregorius's bat is what the Yankees are going to miss the most. I said that before. They didn't, like he said, I agree with him. They should at least offer him a qualifying, you know, uh, uh, an offer to say, okay, well, we tried in, in, in essence. And the Yankees did not extend the one year. It was $17.8 million offer to Gregorius. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't offer him it. They didn't even give him a chance. Um, so yeah, I think that his bat, his clutch hitting, his his presence in the lineup, his his ability to spray the ball all over the field in a lineup that doesn't really know how to do that. Let's be honest. You got guys like Judge and Stanton and Sanchez up there in that lineup. That is a third of the lineup. I think it's val- his bat is valuable. His fielding is also valuable, but I think the Yankees can can compensate for that. So bottom line. D.D. Gregorius, I think they should offer him something. But ultimately, I don't think he's staying because, like I said, from his standpoint, he's earned it. He's earned the long-term deal. He's earned the big money. 
And uh, you guys know I have my favorite website is Sports Rack uh, to Madison Bumgarner. They're putting him, his market value at five years, $105 million, basically $106 million. I think if the Yankees, for whatever reason, Garrett Cole decides to stay in California, I think uh, the Yankees have to go after Mad Bum next. Chris in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Thanks for holding on. Chris, are you there? All right, Chris. Going once, twice. Sorry about that, Chris. David in, David in Westbury, you're on the fan. Um, hi, Danielle. Uh, I'd like to address a couple of things that people have uh, come up with against the signing of Garrett Cole. Sure. One, one is there's obviously there's no salary cap. So I don't, as a Yankee fan, I don't care mm-hmm. how much money they spend. They, they, I've never seen them not get a guy just because of money. Right. But the second thing is something no one's talking about is the psychological effect on the hitters on both sides. If you're a Yankee and you're going out there and you know you have to score five or six runs to win, it's much harder to hit when you know that. Yeah, I was talking about that and a little the, bit before. Sure, it puts a lot more and pressure on the on on the, and on the Yeah, and on the other side, if you know that uh, all you got to do is tie into a Tanaka hanging slider and he's going to be out of the game and you're going to be with your middle relief, mm-hmm. it makes it much easier for the other side to hit. So it's not, you can't just say, well, they didn't hit. But when when you know your ace is out there, it's easier to hit. Am I right? Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and like, for example, let's talk about how, how the Yankees and Astros series played out. I mean, when you yank Tanaka in what the seventh inning, just just to put in a reliever or whatever the sixth inning, because he was he was he was rolling. Now you're overexposing the bullpen, and now you've you've as as the Astros, you've gotten looks at at the, these middle relievers that you know gives you an advantage in the series moving forward. Right, I I agree with that, and I I just don't think people are counting on what it means to a team. Yeah, when you can send a guy out there that you know is going to shut down the other team and what it means to the other team too. It puts so much pressure on the other team. Yep. I agree. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a complete agreement with your perspective on it. I just wanted to address those two points. Yeah, David, thanks for that. And, and Garrett Cole, I mean, he's got a lifetime ERA of 322, right? And when he's in the postseason, he's got an ERA. Let's see. I want to venture to guess that it's lower. Yeah, 2.6 in four years, seven series, 2.6 ERA. So not only is he good in the regular season, he's better in the postseason. Imagine that. He gives up two runs, 2.6 runs earned. Five hits per nine innings. As, as, as the opponent, I'm like, man, I don't want to go up against that. Carlo, Kings Park, you're on the fan. Morning, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, Daniel. Um, definitely talk about some Yanks. Um, yes, I want Garrett Cole, without a doubt. He's, de- he's definitely the difference maker. There's no question about that. Yep. Because he adds added pressure on the on the offense of the other team. Because let me tell you right now, uh, the the Yankees are blah. And what I mean by blah is they're too predictable. And if you have somebody like that, that is not predictable. That is just awesome. I mean, he is. He's unbelievable. Yep. He really is a difference maker. Um, they, were, they were talking before about balance in the lineup as far as left-handed left-handed batters. 
If you lose Didi, yeah, they have people to replace him, but guess what? They're all right-handed. Mm-hmm. You need balance in the lineup. That's a big deal because if people know what's coming, guess what? They're easy, they could, it's, it's, it's a huge factor. It's a huge factor. Yeah, especially in a park that plays, and Carlo, thanks for the call, especially in a park that plays to a, a left-handed pull hitter's advantage with that short porch and right. Louie and Beth Page, if you could make it quick, we're a little bit up against the break. You're on the fan. No problem. That your show is really great, but let me tell you Thank something. you. you want the Yankees can throw all this money around. In about three years from now, you've got to pay a lot of other players on that team. Yep. How much is a hot dog going to cost? <laughs> How much is a soda going to cost? Parking. A family of four. You're worried about saving $10 million to millionaires? It's a millionaire sport. It's a shame. Yep. It hurts the average man going. I'm sorry. These salaries out of hand. You need a salary cap. All the money, a family of four. What, $200 to go to a game? Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. Save ten million dollars. They make millions already. Bullshit. Louis, you were you were good up until that last part there. Got to drop you here, but um, I, I was shocked. I, I went to the Yankees ALDS game, and I was actually shocked at the cost of parking. I, I pulled up to the lot, and it went up. I said to her, "I said, well, what do you mean? It's like forty five. It's forty bucks during the regular season, whatever it is, forty five. Oh, no, this is a playoff game. It costs more. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Okay, well, what are you going to do at that point? You have to pay it, and there's no parking on the street anywhere. So, yeah, I do agree with that. Um, But I'm not sure that's how it – I mean, my dad likes to think that that's how it breaks down as well, that it's just passed off onto the consumer. I'm not so sure I don't know. And I would like to ask somebody that does know, but until then, I I don't have an answer for you. But um, Garrett Cole to the Yankees. Get it done. Get it done yesterday, Brian Cashman. And we'll talk more about Yankees. We haven't even talked about any of the Mets moves yet, so we'll do that. And a quick Giants-Jets, because it is Football Sunday here in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Imagine a gentleman's club with over 400 gorgeous exotic dancers every week. Hey, big boy. From the people who make fantasies come true, Gallagher's 2000 in Long Island City is the place to be. Gallagher's 2000, a gentleman's club for today, gentlemen. Gallagher's 2000 features two floors, three stages, discounted drinks, VIP, champagne rooms, free valet parking, and dinner specials every night. Gallagher's 2000 is open seven days a week till 4 a.m. and offers complimentary lunch every day with any drink purchase. Come on down, big boy. Gallagher's 2000 is New York's largest upscale gentlemen's club and Gallagher's 2000 bachelor parties will blow you away for their bachelor party specials call 718-361-1348 Gallagher's 2000 is located at 43-1937th street in Long Island City just a half block north of Queens Boulevard call 718-361-1348 that's 718-361-1348 Gallagher's 2000 is unlike any club in New York come tonight for the time of your life Gallagher's 2000 let your your imagination run wild. As cold weather arrives, snow and ice follow, making it extremely difficult for police officers to safely do their jobs. Private and municipal building owners, commercial store owners, residential homeowners, police precincts, and precinct parking lots in the city of New York have legal responsibilities within a certain time frame to make sidewalks, entranceways, and parking lots free of snow and ice. Unfortunately, many of these property owners fail to maintain their premises free from ice and snow, thereby creating dangerous conditions for members of the law enforcement community. Many officers have been seriously injured by these dangerous conditions. Decalator 
Cohen and DePrisco has brought numerous successful lawsuits on behalf of police officers injured by the negligence of property owners failing to keep their premises free from snow and ice. Examples of these results are featured on their website, policeofficersrighttosue.com. If a member of the law enforcement community is injured as a result of a property owner's failure to remove snow and ice from their premises, contact DCD at 800-901-THE-NUMBER-ONE-LAW or visit them at policeofficersrighttosue.com. There are 90-day time limitations to file a notice of claim if a municipality is at fault for causing the injury. Good morning at 420. I'm Marco Belletti. Knicks had an excellent chance to snap their eight-game losing streak or at least keep the game going. They were down two. Julius Randle at the free throw line. A tenth of a second remaining. Hit the first. Couldn't connect on the second. And the Pacers held on for a 104-103 victory. That's difficult. Uh, very difficult. Um, but I just said we played hard. Man. We gave, gave everything that we had. And, uh, came up you know, short, but... We keep doing that. We're going to win a lot of games. I think that's a, this is a turning point for us. Randall and MSG at 16. Marcus Morris led the way with 25. Mike Miller unable to get a win in his first game as interim head coach, but he did love what he saw from his club. Well, it was a lot of fun. Once the game started, it was about the game and and to get to that point. But, but you know, uh, I'll go back to it again. Just the, the way that we played that, the, the effort, the way we kept fighting back and stayed in it, those are those are fun games to coach. Matt from MSG, losing streak is up to nine, and they are now four and 19. Nets off. Welcome to the Nuggets today. Coverage is here on the fan at 250. College football, Ohio State able to pull away from Wisconsin, 34-21 in the Big Ten. Clemson obliterated Virginia 62-17 in the ACC. LSU overwhelmed Georgia 37-10 in the SEC title game. Joe Burrow another 349 in the air and four touchdowns. Oklahoma survived Baylor 30-23 in overtime. They win the Big 12. AAC went to Memphis 29-24 over Cincinnati. And Boise State dominated Hawaii 31-10 Mountain West. Hockey Stars knocked off the Islanders 3-1. Matt Barzell, the lone tally. Predators, they turned aside the Devils 6-4. Giants officially ruled out Daniel Jones. Means Eli Manning will start Monday night against the Eagles. But he won't have Evan Ingram. He was ruled out as well. Jets host the Dolphins. No Le'Veon Bell. Ruled out with an illness. Jamal Adams remains doubtful. Sam Darnold asked if they were looking for revenge after falling in Miami earlier this season. No, I think, I mean, it's just the next opponent for us. Uh, We're really looking at it. Kind of how they played as of late. And then also some some things, how they played us, you know, just we're just looking at them that way. And in college hoops, St. John's clip West Virginia 70-68. Syracuse batter Georgia Tech 97-63. Also wins for Manhattan and Stony Brook. With reports every 20 minutes, Marco Belletti, WFAN 20, 20 Sports. Hey guys, it's Maggie. Coming up on Monday's show, Bart and I will react to the Jets and Dolphins and preview Giants-Eagles on Monday Night Football. Plus, the winter meetings will be underway. What rumors could be swirling around the hot stove? Bart and I are on from 2 to 6 on Monday. Comes your way on Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM New York. This is a good song if we were going to do Giants. Guess who's back, back again? Eli Manning. Eli Manning is back in under center for the New York Giants. Um, and I'm Dana McCartan here with you on WFAN Radio. We are a little over halfway through uh, the show here tonight. Uh, we are going to have John Schmoke on at 440 to f- figure out what's going on with the Knicks. Um, in the meantime, we'll quickly um, finish up the Yankees and Mets talk here. So basically, um, the Yankees are in a good position, in my opinion, for to land Garrett Cole. I think um, 
I think it's just a foregone conclusion. Honestly, that's that's what I'm thinking. And I had just a suggestion come through on Twitter at Michael Dragon 19 says he's playing GM a little bit, but he says Andujar, Voigt, and a minor league pitcher for Josh Bell of the Pirates help solve left-handed hitting. Thoughts? I kind of like it. I mean, Bell is a awesome player. He sprays the ball all over the field, and he's a left-handed. So you slide. He's a first baseman. You slide Didi to second. Torres shortstop. I mean, I'm sorry, Didi. DJ LeMahieu to second base, Torres to shortstop, or Shell to third base. And I am operating under the the premise that D.D. Gregorius will not be back next year. And quickly, the Mets, we're not going to have to play GM because the Mets GM actually made a move for that true center field that everybody calls up here asking for in Jake Marisnik. And it was a, a swap with the Astros where the Astros got two prospects that were not in the Mets' top 30 However, this guy, Kennedy Corona, outfielder, who's 19 years old, he hit 301 in the minors last year. That might end up hurting the Mets, but not right now. And the Mets are in sort of kind of right now mode. And you got to give up to get something. And with the acquisition of Jake Marisnik, Brody Van Wagenen and the Mets have solidified their stance in the win-now mode. And Brody must not have been listening last week when I made that strong case for Starling Marte to the Mets. But I guess I'll let that, let that slide because he probably got a better deal on Marisnik because he's set to make $3 million this year in his final year's salary arbitration. And then he's in his contract year because next season after that, he's an unrestricted free agent. So he's in his contract year with the Mets. That's always a good sign, I think, for guys that are motivated by money, which which one of us isn't, right? Some pros and some cons for him. By everything I've seen, Houston fans loved him. Definitely a fan favorite. He's 28 years old as well. Um, Brody said that Jake is an elite defender who is an incredibly smart base runner. Among our offseason plans was to improve defensively, and he's he is one of the best in the game, and he is. He's not a great offensive producer, which we'll get to in a second, but he has, in my opinion, above-average play discipline, and he swings only at 35% of the pitches outside the zone. His defense, and he has made quite some plays for the Astros last season, including a few that only had a less than 40% catch rate, according to fan graphs, and he doesn't miss many. He's got a 993 fielding percentage in center field where he's played 533 games in his career. He's in the top percentile in, in sprint speed, outfielder jump, which is important in, in getting to those, those impossible balls and maybe make it a play on him. And he's in the 85th percentile in outs above average. There's only 10 fielders that were better than him in this category. In defensive runs saved in that category, I know maybe some of you guys aren't analytics, but... In defensive runs saved, a plus 15 makes you a gold glove caliber. He had plus 12 in Houston. Although, though, his his offensive production is just very, very average. Uh, Brody said he's a plus base runner. Sure. Um, What's concerning to me at the plate is his best season came in 2017 as Carlos Beltran's teammate. That's also the first year that the Astros were accused of cheating. Makes you think. It just makes you think. Pause for thought. I don't know. 2017, he was left off the postseason roster due to injury, but he was still on the 40-man and did get a ring. Um, What happened was, maybe you're interested in the injury, it was just a sliding injury. His thumb got caught on second base. Uh, He was cleared to field, but not to bat, and the Astros decided just to keep him off. His spray chart looks okay. He hits a lot of ground balls, a lot of line drives, but definitely more of a pull hitter than a push hitter. And just if you're a Mets fan and you're watching J.D. Davis in the outfield last year, I think this is just a very welcome defensive upgrade for the Mets this season. I think, well, Marte still would have been a better solution, 
just based on his offensive offensive performance, which is better than Marisnik's. I just, for me, I just don't think the Mets are at a point yet where they could sacrifice offensive production for defense, right? Is isn't that why they they picked up Wilson Ramos, right? And with all that being said, uh, you know, my day job, I give this a, a B minus for the Mets, considering they gave up pretty much nothing for a player in his contract year. Said back to the phones, Fairview, New Jersey. Jeff, you're on the fan. Hey, Dale, how are you? Good. How are you, Jeff? Good. Doing great. All right. I want to talk about Nimmo and uh, Keith Hernandez. But first, you, Daniel, after midnight, you should do that song by Eric Clapton, After Midnight. It would be great. <laughs> Perfect for your show. I'll have to take a look at it. It's a great song. Check it out. All right. Nimmo and Mar- Marnikis. How do you say it? Uh, Mar- uh, Marcinic. What is it? Marcinic. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the, way guess, the way it looks is different than the way it's it says. Mariznik. Mariznik it is. Mariznik, right. Yeah. Uh, I guess they're going to platoon. I mean, if you know, if we don't find mm-hmm. another center fielder. Yeah. You know, one guy's righty, one guy's lefty. Yep. I just have a feeling if, if Nimmo, Nimmo's a good on-base percentage guy. Yep. If he's healthy, this guy, he'll, he'll lead the league in triples. You know, and he's a pretty good doubles guy, too. Like two years ago, he had a decent year. Yep. And now he's older, you know, smarter. So that's going to be interesting. And the, bo- the other guy is a good, good outfielder. He's no hit, though. Sounds like Juan Lagaris a little, but he can yeah. steal bases. Yep, his comp is Juan Lagaris, yes. And he's not getting signs, so, you know, <laughs> he's not, <laughs> yeah. no signs. Yeah. Uh, Keith Hernandez, I think if Bill Mazeroski is in the Hall of Fame for his defense, Keith Hernandez should be. Not only. But and Keith Hernandez could hit. He won an MVP. He won two World Series titles with two different teams. I mean, Don, Don Manley is great, but he won zero. You know, great. I mean, I think Keith Hernandez should be in. What do you think about that? Um, again, this is one of those things, Jeff, where Keith Hernandez played before my time. Um, he won those World Series before I was born. Um, but based on those accolades and based on his numbers, you know, why not? Why isn't he? I agree. I mean, he's a career on base percentage. I'm looking at it now at 384. Um, batting average was basically 300 for his career. Not to mention the MVP, the two-time World Series Silver Slugger, 11-time Gold Glove. Yeah, I, I would I would say that those are qualifications. I'd have to look at you know his comps versus all the other first basemen that are already in. That's the way I like to do that. Um, because that's the case I made for Mark Bavaro versus the other tight ends that were, were in the Hall of Fame, which I concluded that Bavaro, even though his career was shortened, should have been in the Hall of Fame. Um, but Keith Hernandez, that'd be interesting. But on first class, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that might be a good fit. Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Tony? All right, I think we lost Tony there. Let's head out to New Jersey. Billy, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you today? Good. How are you, Billy? Doing okay. Um, so I wanted to start out by saying that my birthday is Tuesday, and the perfect gift would be Garrett Cole, a fat contract in pinstripes. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I wish um, I could give that to you. Oh, I am praying for it, because if you look at it, CC, we gave him the contract, he brought us a title, and then he had to reinvent himself with, you know, bringing this, the... Uh, the cutter on towards the end of the, like the end of his career, Garrett Cole is already coming and he's a multi-pitch pitcher and he throws the gas now. 
Right. That's what we need. We need that ace that can do all of that. Yep. Yeah, and and be reliable, be reliable in the postseason as well as oh, as as 100%, he is. <laughs> and 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 uh, sorry to cut you off. And a pitcher that can eat all the innings. Yep. We, and- we don't. If we have a great bullpen, I don't want to waste all of that. Yeah. Have somebody that can go out, put the put the glove on the mound, take care of the game, and then bring in your best. Not rely on your best in the bullpen to stretch the game out. Yep. And Billy, thanks for calling. We we talked about that. We talked about how it puts unnecessary pressure on the bullpen and unnecessary pressure on your own batting lineup, your own batting order to do something like that. I call me old school, call Billy old school, but you need pitchers that are going to go longer than just five innings. Come on. Peter in Lawrence Township, you are on the fan. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Good, how are you? Well, basically, I've been listening for the past two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many people can still say the name Benny Agbayani. Agbayani, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I agree with you on the infield for the Yankees. I think it's time to tell Gregorius goodbye and put Traber where he belongs, at short, where mm-hmm. he was raised. Um, if they're going to get Garrett Cole... We have to make sure he can adapt to New York. You don't want another Ed Whitson or someone AJ like that. AJ Burnett. That too. You know, it, you've got to stop wasting money to get pitchers that you want for five years, and then you have problems after two. Yeah. It, you don't want another Don Gullett who only be there for a year and a half. Peter, thanks for the call. Yeah, I, 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 I do understand what you're saying. However... You don't know that until you try. You don't know if he's going to be able to pitch in New York until you get him here. Justin and Dobbs Ferry, you're on the fan. I told you the Jets were going to win that game. How are you, Danielle? <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> um, I, I'm not. I'm not sold on Garrett Cole for the Yanks. What? Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. You know, here we are talking about the Astros cheating. I mean, they're they're pitching Savant. Their coaching with their pitching is amazing. But, you know, I'm just not sold on him being the guy to put us over the top, replace CC Sabathia. I, I'm not on board. I, I, I'd rather I – I really want Madison Bumgarner. Um, I think he's tough. I think he brings bravado. I think he's got all the, the stuff that you would want to replace a guy like CC Sabathia. He could be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his toughness. I like his attitude. I like the fact that he goes after guys. He's not afraid of guys. When when CC threw that pitch last year and and forfeited his bonus, you know I see Madison yeah. Bumgarner being that type of guy. Okay, gritty, tough. You know he's gonna he's gonna battle. Um, you know Garrett Cole. I think the Astros made him who he was, who he is, or was this year. Um, and I don't know. If is he going to be able to repeat that? Is he going to be able to repeat that long term? And frankly, do the Yankees, does the Yankees, do we have the coaching staff to make that happen? The Astros are savants. I mean, they're, you know. Yeah, I think with they, the, they ju- can make everybody. Justin, thanks for calling. Yeah, I think that with Matt Blake, I think that you do have the pitching staff, that the pitching coaches at least that can do that. And you have Aaron Boone in the dugout who um, is analytics driven. So let's head out to Denville. Dennis, you're on the fan. 
Hey, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I love listening to this show. Uh, great time. Thank you. Hey, real quick, I don't know if you were at Derek Jeter's last game. Um, oh, yeah. I was just wondering yep. if you think that he is going to be a unanimous decision well, for the Hall of Fame. Yes, Dennis, thanks for the call. Yes, I was at the, the final game. I was uh, standing in the stands crying beginning in, what, the, the sixth or seventh inning on toward to the end of that game. Um, remember, like it was yesterday, really. Is Derek Jeter going to be a unanimous, unanimous selection to the Hall of Fame? Um Although I would like him to be, I don't think he will be. Um, I really don't think so. I think you got some guys in, up in Boston that are going to uh, vote uh, vote no. And, you know, Derek Jeter towards the end had a little bit of a drop-off. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Because if you look at Derek Jeter's career, yes, he was clutch. Yes, he had so many World Series. Yes, there are still Derek Jeter detractors out there. And unfortunately for him, um, I don't think so. I think, well, Mariano Rivera is, I think, un- the unanimous selection among all fans, even Red Sox fans, as being the best closer of all time. I don't I don't know if Derek Jeter is, is in, held in the same regard as them, um, as he is. So um, although I would like to see it, as a Derek Jeter shortstop fan, my a former shortstop myself, I just I, I just don't see it. Um, and that's that. Um, we're having a lot of Hall of Fame talk tonight, huh? Um, so the Mets end up with, with Marisnik and... So the Mets end up with Marisnik, uh, and in terms of um, starting pitching, maybe they want to replace Wheeler's innings. I think uh, Porcello or Rourke, I think they would be some good uh, selections for them because when you look at um, Wheeler, he, he, he has about he's good for 150 innings a season. Porcello would put you over that if you're Mets, if you're the Mets. Uh, ERA for Wheeler is 377. Rourke has a better one than him. Wins per season. Porcello can give you 13.5, whereas Wheeler gave you 8, 8.8. And then the, the big concern I have with Rick Porcello is the fact that he gives up a lot of runs. And I don't know if the Mets lineup could overcome the deficit that he would create in giving up those runs. Who knows? Maybe the new analytics pitching coach uh, could straighten him out because the Mets got one too and welcome the project. I mean, Porcello has made over $20 million per year. That's like yikes for the Mets. I think Rourke is, is the, the, the cheaper option. Um, and he's got the lowest ERA out of the three of them. So I'm still going Tanner Rourke for the Mets if they wanted to replace Wheeler in their pitching rotation. Okay, more more New York sports, Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants, all after the break. Uh, 877-337-6666. I am Daniel McCartan on The Fan. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. And I'm Daniel McCartan back with you on WFAN Radio. And listen, we had a lot of uh, Yankees and Mets talk and um, – we were forgetting that, you know, it is football Sunday. And we have two teams in New York that 
you know, let's be honest, aren't aren't so very good. Um, but the Jets are, are taking on the Dolphins, who they lost to earlier this season. Okay, they were winless, and the Jets lost to them. And the Giants are going to be on Monday Night Football for the whole entire nation to watch. And Eli Manning is getting a shot. He's getting his chance. And there's a lot of speculation about which head coach is, is going to go next. Uh, you've got Pat Shermer, the the fans on, on my, as we were talking, Marco and I were just talking over the break, my very scientific polls. You guys think that Pat Shermer is going to go next. I mean, we've seen the Devils coach go. We've seen the Knicks coach go. Everybody seems to think the Giants coach is going to be next. In my opinion, I think it's the Jets. I mean, we're talking Jets, Dolphins, and the Jets lost to the Dolphins the first time around, and they were winless, and the Jets lost to the Bengals the second time around. I mean, the the second loss, the historic, they were 0-11. The Bengals were 0-11, and the Jets lost to them. And I don't know if you heard, but Ryan Tannehill just needed to get away from Adam Gase. He's in the running for NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Ryan Tannehill. And seemingly, the Titans are a team that no one wants to play. Under Gase, he posted a quarterback rating of 93. Rounded off, 93. Tannehill this year has a rating of 114. And he has 12 touchdowns and only four interceptions. Never under Gase did he play at such a clip. Never once. So Adam Gase, this quarterback whisperer, his former quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is flourishing without him. And last or a couple weeks ago, we had on Chad Cascadden, who gave a great perspective of a coach losing the locker room from his experience in the co-tight years. The main thing he said was to look at the injury report to see how many guys are not playing with, as he described, mysterious injuries. So I did. This week, the Jets have 13 players on the injury report. Dolphins have zero. And because I came across of it in my research for tonight, and I know the game is Monday, but the Eagles have one player out and three questionables. Giants have four players listed as a totally out. And, I mean, I'm, I, I, my, I've returned to watching must-watch TV in the Adam Gase press conferences, and the first 41 seconds of a nine-minute press conference is reading off a list of names on an injury report. And then another full minute explaining the sicknesses and injuries. So one minute and 40 seconds out of that nine-minute press conference was injuries on Thursday. And by the way, I made the adjustment to my fantasy football team and my free league that I play in just just for pride. I I sat Le'Veon Bell because he is out for later today. And just another note, only four projected offensive and defensive starters will have played in every game for the Jets this, this, uh, this year so far. Steve McClendon, Marcus May, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. Actually, I started Crowder as my flex instead of Bell. Thanksgiving, when we're all watching football and we're all eating our turkey, and in my case, the, uh, the, the, the lasagna, Adam Gase doesn't go home to Thanksgiving dinner with his own family. Why? He let the players go home early 
so he can stay in game plan. Adam Gase game plans so much that he loses to the winless Cincinnati Bengals and his offense doesn't even see the red zone in that game versus the one of the worst defenses in the league. I'm getting a little excited here. Some offensive guru, if you're staying that late and skipping Thanksgiving, either you don't like your family or you're not doing something right. Wait a minute. Haven't we had this conversation before this season where the Jets lose to a winless tanking team? Right, yeah, after the Jets lost to the Miami Dolphins in Week 9. And the Jets, in their loss to the Bengals, made NFL history. You know, the Bengals dumped the Gatorade cooler on their coach. This isn't the Super Bowl. You got Jamal Adams crying in the locker room. You got Le'Veon Bell complaining he's not getting enough carries. And Le'Veon Bell has cracked. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Mean Girls. Wherein, quickly, if you're not... They do, it's about the popular girls and the ones that aren't popular, and they do some sabotage on the queen. Interestingly enough, her name is Regina George. Regina is a queen in Italian. The queen bee, Regina George. Their plan of attack is to pry her best friend, Gretchen Wieners, away from her. Now, Gretchen Wieners was a great soldier for Regina George and Mean Girls. She did everything for her, even the dirty work. Never complained. Eventually... The non-popular girls ended up cracking Gretchen Wieners to take Regina George down. Le'Veon Bell is the Jets' Gretchen Wieners. Adam Gase is their Regina George. After the game, Bell complained about his workload. He cracked. Le'Veon Bell, who's been a great soldier like Gretchen Wieners for Adam Gase all season long, has cracked. He's obviously and he's visibly frustrated with what's going on with this team. And now, I think this is just the beginning. And I can only hope for the benefit of this franchise. And I don't want you guys calling up and saying, oh, well, Christopher Johnson said he's staying. Yeah, well, I looked back. Well, John Mara said Ben McAdoo was safe, then fired him and the GM like a week later. Last season, Marvin Lewis signed a contract to come back this year and didn't. Let me ask you something, sitting there listening to this program on your radio. Will Jason Garrett be coaching next year? The Cowboys, let's say. Answer to yourself. You probably said, no, he's not coaching the Cowboys. Well, here's what Jerry Jones had to say. He said, in my opinion, Jason Garrett will be coaching in the NFL next year. Well, how steadfastly sure are you to make that statement, Jerry Jones, in front of a bunch of people if he wasn't going to be back on your own team, if you already didn't know that? And Adam Gase, Christopher Johnson said on November 13th that before the end of this season – uh, the Jets will not fire Adam Gase, and the team will not make a coaching change after this season either. Either. Well, let me tell you something. The Jets made history last week in that loss. They didn't even get into the red zone. Carlos Dunlap looked like Warren Sapp. He had three sacks in the game. Had a total of two and a half sacks total going into the game. It was his best game of the season, and probably will be the best game of his season. The Jets were not ready to beat an 0-11 team that Adam Gase literally spent days game planning for. That, to me, is alarming. Let's go to phones 877-337-6666. Dan in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Dan. Uh, Okay, Dan, you lose. Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Good morning. You do a great job, by the way. Thank you. Uh, 
um, before I talk about the NFL generally, uh, point, Eli, I'm so glad he's going to start this week. I think he's going to do well. I hope so, Daniel, because two Super Bowls, he beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. I hope he has a great game Me too. Um, this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'll uh, great some, some great matchups this week. I like the 49ers over the Saints because uh, the Saints have some defensive players out, and I and they were saying what well, the 49ers are not that good. Some people, I think they are really good. They are the real deal. What do you think about that game? Uh, I yeah, I think the, I, and Tony, thanks for the call. I think the 49ers are the real deal, and I think a quarterback that has learned under Tom Brady for so many years, um, like Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I think that only bodes well for them. Um, and 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 I don't want to go back to. Adam Gates, because like I told you, I'm back to watching. You guys get a treat because I'm back to watching his post game press conferences, and we talked about it here before that Bengals game. And I'm no NFL coach. Let's let's be honest. I'm not trying to pretend to be an NFL coach, but we talked about how the the Jets offense always sets up like these short fields, like, and and the opposing offense doesn't have to go so far t- to put points on the board. Well. And maybe Adam Gates listens to the show because this is a quote. We never flipped the field. We stayed back, backed up and created short fields for them. When you only have to go 60, 55 yards, it helps you. We just stayed pinned back. We could just never get out of it. We literally talked about this, guys, as a trend last week. But the Jets, I mean, they're ranked 19th of 32 teams in points given up per game. His offense has the worst average starting position in the NFL. I mean... Now, going into that game, and now it's only second worst, only to the Cowboys. And they don't seem to be struggling as, as much as Gase is. Garrett has two more wins than Gase. And likely he's out at the end of the season. And many Cowboys fans want him gone sooner. So the sad fact is that the Jets' offense has been so bad that it sacrifices and puts their defense in a position to fail. Best run defense in the league is set up to fail because Adam Case's offensive guru talents can't get the Jets in a position to succeed. And they asked him about in the press game, post game press conference, twenty six passes and nine rushes in the first half. Well, what's up with that? Adam, Adam Gase goes, I mean, that's what I called. <laughs> that was it. I mean, what? You're playing the worst run defense in the NFL. Uh, we talked about it here, guys. I'm not an NFL coach, but someone asked me about that, the follow-up question, and he said, yep, I mean, we had some positive plays going on. Sometimes we were moving the ball. I mean, it's, come on, it's laughable. Then they, someone asked me about the, the mood in the locker room. He goes, it's quiet. You didn't come here to lose. So literally walked off the stage. Literally walks off the stage. Then you got Sam Darnold answering the same question, and he says, this is a quote. It sucks to lose the game. I think it's like every other game, though. When you lose, it's not fun. This is a 22-year-old giving a more mature response than a grown man head coach. Come on. And then here's what's most bothersome to me. The fact that Adam Gay said this. Someone asked him what his message to fans was, and he said, things just didn't work out for us this year. We couldn't get things rolling in the right direction, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's more to the quote, but what do you mean? We couldn't get things working this year. Couldn't get things in the right direction. Uh, to me, that sounds like a coach that's given up. And how do you expect your players to to play hard and not give up if you seemingly read between the lines, 
have just given up on your own team. Things just didn't work out for us this year. I mean, come on. I, I, I think that's he's got a vote that he's got a vote of confidence from his ownership. I think that's lame duck. I think that's apathy. I don't like it. And if you're a Jets fan, I, I don't know how you're okay with that. And he said later on, he said, uh, we're going to try to put one good game together so we can win this week. One good game. You should be looking to win the rest of them. I mean, really. I just think that's that's a coach that's just has given up on his team. Chris in Richfield, Connecticut. You're on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I was just wondering what you think about Angel's shots of getting Garrett Cole away from uh, the Yankees. The Angels shot of getting Garrett Cole. I think um, they could probably pony up the, the cash. I think they have the advantage because they are pretty much Garrett Cole's hometown team. I mean, it's not Angel Stadium is not far from Newport Beach at all. Um, I just everything that I've seen um, indicates that Garrett Cole is going to the Yankees. Every single thing I've seen. I mean. I've outlined it. I'm not going to go through it all again, but I've outlined every single thing. It just, it's just, it's a, in my opinion, it's a foregone conclusion that Garrett Cole will be a Yankee. And I hope that they just, for everybody's sake around here, so we don't have to keep speculating on this, I hope that the Yankees just lock it up and get it done with. Tom in North Brunswick, you're on the fan. How's it going, Danielle? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, uh, real quick, I think the winter meetings start on Monday. Yep. Well, I'm San looking Diego. forward to. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to the Mets uh, getting some bullpen help. And and you know that was a great interview with N- Nimmo because I like Nimmo. Thank you. I, you know he's an on-base machine, and I think he'd be a good legal hitter. And as long as he's healthy, I have no problem with him being starting center fielder. Yep. Me neither. And and thanks for this call, Tom. And thanks for listening for so so long. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he, he's got the fire and the desire to do it, and that's what they'll end up doing. They'll, they'll pl- platoon him um, with Marisnik, and that's how they'll handle that. You know, on days where Nimmo needs rest or, you know, hopefully he's not hurt, so we'll just say on days that he needs rest, they're going to put Marisnik in. And Marisnik is an upgrade defensively, so, you know, it's like h- how does the manager want to play it? Do you want to go with a defensive lineup for the day or do you want to go with an offensive lineup for the day? And, and that's going to pretty much be it. Um, and then Nimmo also gives you some some flexibility in, in other outfield positions. So I, I think it's a great move, the Marisnik move, and I, and I think uh, for his sake, and because everybody loves him, he's a great player, he walks a lot, Brendan Nimmo I'm talking, walks a lot, all that. He's an on-base machine, as the caller just said. So, yes, I agree with that. Um, and we are ready for the reset, the 5 o'clock reset. Everything's back on the table, all sports, all teams, Get on the phone, 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 Good morning again, everybody. I'm Daniel McCartan here at 3.05 in the morning. McCartan after midnight with you on The Fan. You guys have the number. Well, if you don't know it by now, it's 877-337-6666. Let's get it going. We're about to discuss the New York Yankees, their their pursuit, their relentless pursuit of Garrett Cole, and, and could he possibly end up being in Cooperstown, a Hall of Famer? I mean, we are so spoiled here in the New York sports market that when players come here, 
you automatically, and they do well, you automatically want to put them in the Hall of Fame. And I know Garrett Cole's not here yet, but the buzz around town, and, and I'm no Tiki Barber, but I do have a source that's pretty close to the situation, and I'll tell you what he said momentarily. Um, but as you know, Garrett Cole met with the Yankees brass Tuesday in California. GM Brian Cashman, assistant GM Mike Fishman, manager Aaron Boone, and new Yankees pitching coach Matt Blake, special advisor Andy Pettit, they all boarded a plane on a mission to sunny Southern California to speak with Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg, who is from San Diego. And by now, we have all seen the picture of the 11-year-old Garrett Cole at the Yankees World Series game in 2001. The game was in Arizona, and he was with his dad. And he was holding a sign that said, Yankees fan today, tomorrow, forever. That's the key word, forever. And you might you might even know that his family stayed at the team hotel. And Garrett Cole said in 2008, I went back. I did some research. I went some deep digging on this. You guys are you're going to hear how di- deep I went with this. So Cole said in 2008, Derek Jeter was in the lobby with Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill. We were like, oh, my God. Well, I, in my opinion, unanimous first ballot Hall of Fame Derek Jeter, the second one ever, first is Mariano Rivera. I think Derek Jeter will be the second or should be the second. Derek Jeter isn't around much anymore, but Williams and O'Neill certainly are. And with O'Neill on the Yes Network's broadcast team, as you know, he, he might be even interviewing Garrett Cole. So I think that Garrett Cole is a foregone conclusion and for a multitude of different reasons. But let me take this phone call real quick. Joe D. in Staten Island, you're on the fan. Hello, my dear. How are you? <laughs> Good. How are you, Joe? Well, let me ask you a question. I think the Yankees will sign Cole. Yep. Because, they, because first of all, I think he's going to come to New York. And I think uh, the money they'll offer him... Uh, it's it's a situation you're not you're not going to refuse, okay? Yes, yeah, sounds like uh, the mob there. No, well, <laughs> I, well, I, 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 well, well, let's put it this way: what you call? I think Derek Cole is going to, is going to be a New York Yankee, okay? Yep. Mhm. I agree. Now I'm asking another question: Is Mattingly or Munson a Hall of Famer? Honestly, Joe, I, I think Munson for sure was before my time, and I was only pretty much in elementary school when uh, Don, Bat- Don Mattingly was the first baseman of the Yankees. So um, I would say I, my first game was in 96 going to the Yankees. So I, I don't I don't know. Oh, so so you, you, you have no, no opinion on that? Uh, I mean, I know the nostalgia of Thurman Munson makes him over the top. He was uh, the players that I talked to say that he, or the former players that I talked to say he is one of the the, the best leaders they've ever played with. Um, but you know, obviously, those are qualifications to get into the Hall of Fame. I just haven't done the research. Obviously, you know me by now. I, I do a lot of research on, well, on numbers. I, did, I, I, I I did research on something. Okay. Okay. I I, I want to pass it on to you. Okay. Got it. Dave Parker is up this year for the Hall of Fame. Okay? Hello? Yeah, yeah, I got you. And Lifetime, I believe, Parker hit 339 homers. Parker hit Lifetime, I think, 292 or 293. Parker knocked in 100 runs four times and had a slugging percentage of 471. Mattingly played 11 full years, knocked in 100 runs five times, was an MVP winner, a batting title winner, had 200 hits or more at least twice, 
led the league in doubles four years in a row, and ha- and, and 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 had a slugging percentage of four seventy one, the same as Dave Parker. Mm-hmm. That's a very close call, okay? Yeah. So, so would you? Would you? I mean, you you could go either way with that, but I did some research on that, okay? Joe, yeah, I appreciate that. You did a good job. Well, right, what you call? Uh, 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 you're a Met fan, there, right? I, honestly, I do root for both. I do root for both teams, and I know that's hard to believe, but I do. Well, that's okay. That that, that that doesn't matter. The, the Mets this year have a have a good team. They the do. Mets, the Mets acquiring that guy in center field that they got from Houston, or yep. also strengthened their their outfield by getting him. Marisnik, yeah, he's a great defender. Absolutely, like almost Gold Glove caliber defender, actually. Let me ask you one other question. How was your Thanksgiving? Very good. How was yours? Fine. Did, <laughs> did you cook for Thanksgiving? No, my mom cooks. We went over my mom's house, and her lasagna is my favorite. So. I got news for you. I I like lasagna, but as I got older, <laughs> I noticed that I can't eat as much as I once did. Oh yeah. No. Well, I'm 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 74 years old, so I can't eat eat, eat the way I once did. You know. Yeah, I, I don't know, not yet. And Joe, thanks for the call. I appreciate. Very, I I love when you guys are are so well researched and stuff like that. So I I do appreciate him taking the time to to do that. Um. But but back to Garrett Cole. I mean. Here's here's the thing here, guys. I'm no Tiki Barber, but I do have a source that's close to the, the situation here. And he said, and this is a quote, Andy Pettit, he's close to Andy Pettit, and he said, Andy Pettit was telling, I'm going to leave a blank there. So Andy Pettit was telling blank that the meeting went really well. It was a six-hour-long meeting that both sides, and, and that both sides seem really engaged. So Andy Pettit was telling this person, who this person knows, that the meeting went really well and that both sides were engaged. And I think that the Yankees in that meeting differentiated themselves because they discussed, they led with the pitch similar to CeCe. They led with their culture and their championship history and then the money. That's an important undertone. They have a lot more to offer the Yankees do than just the cash. Mikey, New Jersey, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing, Maggie? Who? I said, how you doing? Oh, I thought you said I thought you called me Maggie for a second. <laughs> how you doing, no, Mike? No, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> I'm not offended. Definitely I'm not, not offended. No, 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 just no, want to make no, sure you got your time not. of day right. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I just got off work, so I'm wide awake. Okay. Yeah. What's up? I'm um, just on the on the Garrett Cole situation. Yeah. Um I, I, like I said, I just got out of work, so I just tuned in. Yeah. Um, I heard you just a few moments ago mention Garrett Cole and Hall of Fame. Now, were you talking about Yankees fans' expectations? Yes. Okay. All yes. Right, yes. Oh, no, we, no. We, we, yes, we yes, all yes. know they can go a little overboard. That's what I was, yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, listen, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yes, correct. Um, but just something you just uh, opined on, yeah. um, you know, with Garrett Cole's desire to win. Um, we all know what he said after the World Series. That, you know? he, that he's um, not an employee of the team, that quote? Well, well. also, we know where that came from. It was because of the frustration that yep. he said he wants to win a ring. Yep. So I think that was the genesis of the statement. So as you were just saying, that the meeting went well and the Yankees have you know a 
a championship pedigree, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could be very well a selling point, you know, over the Southern California Angels, you know, of his home state. Yep. Um, so do you think that if the Yankees, you know, and they're not tended to get outbid, but neither is Artie Moreno, you know, with the Angels. Yep. Um, do you think that championship caliber and that win now roster, you know, at least offensively and bullpen wise that the Yankees have, could be the swing point in Garrett, in Garrett Cole uh, possibly coming to New York as opposed to going, you know, back home to California. Yeah, Mike, thanks for the call. I think as as an as an athlete, if if I were in Garrett Cole's shoes, even if the Yankees offered me like a, a like a little bit less money, I think I'm taking the deal because, like you said, Mike, the Yankees are in win now mode. I mean, the Yankees are are one piece away; they are one Garrett Cole away from winning the World Series. Not only getting to it, but winning it. So for me, if I am this big, I wish I was, a big name free agent, the big fish that everybody's going to cast their reels out for, yeah, I, I, I would do it. I would take a little bit less money to go to the New York Yankees because, you know, although the Angels have Mike Trout and, and Shohei Otani, they're not ready to win a World Series. I'm sorry. They're not. They're not like the Yankees are, let's say. I mean, they do have not-so-terrible odds. But the Yankees have better odds. And the Yankees have young superstar talent in, in Glaber Torres, in, in a, a, a potential MVP candidate in, in DJ LeMahieu. They've got Aaron Judge. I mean, these guys are going to be together for a while, at least until arbitration comes up, or the end of arbitration, where the Yankees are going to have to pay them. But here's another thing. I, I you know, I, I did a little, like I told you, a lot of deep digging. And I wanted to bring this up because nobody else is talking about this in regards to Garrett Cole. I only thought to think about this maybe two years ago when the news came out that the Raiders were moving to Vegas, which is next year, by the way. Here's another thing that that people are not talking about. State income taxes. And for me or, or, or for you, maybe, I de- okay, I'll speak for myself. It's, it's definitely not a terrible difference state to state. If I lived in New Jersey, if I lived in New York, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. But listen to some of my McCartan math here, guys. I've seen Garrett Cole's contract rumored to be between $200 million and $250 million. I think the number was seven years. That's kind of what's floating out there. So I just I shot right in the middle. I, I picked $225 million to do my math here. Here is the difference between the Yankees and the Angels or the Dodgers. In California, they have a 13.3% millionaire's tax. That's going to cost Garrett Cole on a $225 million contract. That's going to cost him pretty much $30 million in taxes. If he comes to that's for the Angels and for the Dodgers. And if he comes to New York, where they have an 8.82% millionaire's tax, it's going to cost him, let's round it off, uh, $20 million in taxes. So by picking the team that he has grown up loving, a team that he will probably take down the Canyon of Heroes not far from here, Garrett Culver is going to save himself, according to my McCartan math, $10 million in state income tax right off the bat. And if he chooses maybe to live in New Jersey like his idol, CeCe, maybe there'll be neighbors over there in Alpine. Maybe he'll pay for the house in cash just like CeCe did. 
house, mansion in cash. But if he chose New Jersey, they have they don't have a millionaire's tax, but they have any tax over five million dollars, five million. It's at ten point. The rate is ten point seven five percent. It's going to cost him a little bit more than New York, but not as much as California. Twenty four million, round it off. So nobody is talking about the impact that California taxes might have on on the potential of Garrett Cole picking California or New York. Nobody said it. And I'll tell you, I didn't think about even going down that route even until some, I read something years ago about, like I said, Derek Carr, when his Raiders moved from California to Vegas, who has no state income tax, zero, he's going to be saving something like $10 million right away. So I was like, wow, that, that's really interesting. You know, like just the location of the team and where they are and the state that they are in. I mean, for me, it doesn't matter the money I make. But if you are signing a contract for $225 million, well, you're losing out on $10 million just to go to California in taxes. In that millionaire's tax. So... You know, I think the Yankees are the front runner to begin with. I think that just puts those California teams, those Angels and, and those Dodgers, down a notch. Because, like I said, he's going to be saving $10 million in the state income tax right off the bat. And then, you know, there's some other things, too, not to mention, and we'll get it after this after, after the break here, the New York pitching coach change. I think that was a calculated move. We'll talk about that. And I know a lot has been made uh, about... Garrett Cole's sister, Erin, Garrett and Erin Cole. Um, but but I do want to talk about that, too, because she is, a, to me, an important part of this and what she means to him and, and et cetera. So we will talk, we will finish up, wrap that up, you know, in those more points and obviously more of your phone calls, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Hot Stove Baseball is here with Sweeney Murdy in San Diego covering the winter meetings. We'll have all the latest deals and rumors, plus broadcast live, beginning at 6 p.m. tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Exclusively on your flagship station for Yankees and New York baseball, The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. It's Hova, Jay-Z. How about G to the Garrett, C to the Cole? <laughs> that was a little forced. I know, I'm not a freestyler, but we're talking Garrett Cole to the New York Yankees. A little bit of a sweepstakes here. Now that I think the New York Yankees are ahead for the reasons that I, that I said in the open, because obviously Garrett Cole is a Yankee fan. In 2008, he was starstruck because his family stayed in the team hotel. There, we saw When he saw Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, and Paul O'Neill standing there, he said, we were like his family. We were like, oh, my God. Then you add in the fact that I have a source that is close to the situation that said Andy Pettit was telling, oh, I almost slipped, <laughs> Andy Pettit was telling this person that the meeting went really well. And this is a very, this is not a, a media person. Okay, then you got the fact that he's going to be saving, if he chooses the Yankees over the Angels or Dodgers based on a $225 million contract, it's, he's going to be saving $10 million. Or keeping, I should say, keeping $10 million more if he were to go to New York versus California. New Jersey a little less, but, you know, you know what I'm saying. 
And then we'll talk about a pitching coach change, which I thought was a calculated move, and his sister. But Anthony from East Islip, you are, have been on hold for a long time. So what do you got? Hey, how you doing? Today? Good. How are you? Good. I was thinking, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a spoiled uh, Yankee fan, but uh, the Yankees are going to win 100 games no matter what. You know, they're going to be around 95 to 100 games. Mm-hmm. But spending all that money on one player, right, just to get a handful of starts out of them, in the playoffs, I would rather get two, three quality guys that, you know, I think it would be more, you know, better money spent that way. What do you think? I disagree. Anthony, I'm going to tell you this because, okay, I I do see your point, obviously. Uh I do see your point, but the Yankees have been there twice in three years, and they have not been able to get over the hump. And in my opinion, the reason is because they don't have the starting pitching you know, who who was – we were debating here on the fan, on this show. We were debating who was going to be the number one starter for the Yankees in the playoffs. Everybody had different answers. Everybody had different opinions. With Garrett Cole, that's not the case. He is the number one starter. I have one more question, if you don't mind. Yeah. Top five guys in the major leagues, who would you – if you're a team owner, who are you going to be opening the checkup, the checkbook up for like you would with Garrett Cole? If you had to pick five guys. I mean, are you talking top free agents or top players? Who would you give seven years, a uh, seven-year contract and open up his bank account? Available yeah. players? Yeah. Um, Anthony, thanks for the call. I, I Number one is Garrett Cole. Number one is Garrett Cole. Because he is the number one pitcher in baseball. And he just happens to be a free agent. So number one, obviously, is Garrett Cole for me. And, I mean, then you, you look at guys that are maybe going to become free agents. We don't know. But I think Rendon, I'd open up the checkbook for it. I don't know if there's five guys, honestly. I think Garrett Cole would be number one as a, if I'm looking for a pitcher. And I think Anthony Rendon would be number two if I'm looking for a, an everyday player, you know? Um, and those are – I don't I – don't, Steven Strasburg, maybe – um, I would think I, I would try to get Steven Strasburg at a good price, good meaning only a couple hundred million. But my number one would be Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon, and and then it kind of drops off from there. To be honest with you. So those, I mean, I I know you wanted five, but I, I don't really have five. And the Yankees have one on their list, and his name is Garrett Cole, and you know the California connection, right? There's there's a lot to be made about this California connection in Garrett Cole. Well, just so everybody's clear, he has also met with the Angels and the Dodgers. And before his Astros beat the Yankees in the ALCS, Josh Reddick said, this is a quote, he probably wants to be closer to home. He's definitely going to be west of, I was corrected a couple weeks ago, it's Nevada, just so everybody in this area knows, it's Nevada, not Nevada. But he said he's going to be west of Nevada, J- Josh Reddick said. And then Cole responded, no, that's not a fair assumption. I never said that. Well, Garrett Cole is from Newport Beach, California, which, if you've never been, is, is a bit of a bougie town, let me tell you. And I can tell you how I know. Because I'm boarding a plane in Newport Beach, California, after wrapping up my, my stadium tour of the Angels and Dodgers. 
more recently the Angels. So I flew out of Newport Beach, Newport Beach, and I was hopping on a, a little flight to Vegas. What was a forty-five minute flight to Vegas out of there? So I flew Southwest for the first time. When I, I've always pretty much United is our hub here in Newark, so that's I usually fly United. But so I wasn't really familiar with how they do the seating assignments. Basically, on Southwest, if you've never flown before, I've only done it once this time. Um, you basically have a, a, a range in which you're going to board, and then whatever seats are available, you, you could sit in. And I was, you know, no one likes the middle seat, and that's like that first row there. That, the middle seat was available, and I was like, ah, I didn't pick the middle seat. But you know what? In, in, I should have because it was only a 45-minute flight. But anyway, I go pretty much all the way to the back of the plane now, and I'm sitting next to this lady, and she says, oh, you know, whatever, we're talking. She says, have you ever flown out of Newport, Newport Beach before? And I said, no. She goes, oh. I said, what does that mean? She said, well, Newport Beach, um, there's a lot of rich people that live there. And she said that, you know, there's there's restrictions on air travel. And this is, I'm talking about this because this is where Garrett Cole is from. And there's restrictions on air travel. You can't take off before 7 a.m. And you can't land after something like 9 or 10 p.m. or something. I said, oh, okay, well, all right. She goes, and this takeoff is going to be nothing like you ever experienced before. So she explained to me, and I'm going to explain to you what happened. So the plane takes off, and thank God she told me because I would have thought, I would have thought the worst because how I'm, I'm going up in the plane, literally straight up, straight up. I feel the G forces through my belly button, pushing me back into the chair. I, I, you couldn't even move, lean up if you tried. I mean, they were G forces holding me back. And I'm like, oh, my God, where are we going? To the moon? I'm just going to Vegas. It's right there. But why I say that is because they do that to reduce the noise pollution on the residents. Because Newport Beach is, is a bougie town. And Garrett Cole's from there. And he and his sister went to UCLA, which is right close to Angel Stadium and not far from there, Newport Beach. Garrett Cole has another California connection in the fact that he's married to, to this woman named Amy, who's the sister of Brandon Crawford who plays on the San Francisco Giants, and he's from the L.A. area. But Mark Cole, Garrett's dad, he's from Syracuse, and he's a huge Yankee fan. Aaron Cole, who's Garrett's sister, I did a deep dive here. I, I, Aaron, if you're listening, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, she's lived in New York City since what looks like she began law school in 2016, and she's currently at a law firm that has offices in all over this area, Manhattan, Long Island, Rye, Maywood, New Jersey. And Garrett Cole and his sister are real close. You know how I know? Well, she went to UCLA. She went to school at UCLA, played soccer like her brother. And her brother obviously played baseball, so she followed him to UCLA. And then she also followed him to Pittsburgh because she was, interestingly enough, an MLB arbitration intern in Pittsburgh. During the years, her big brother Cole was there. Garrett, I should say. So she followed him there. So what if he follows her here? Huh? She, according to the, the UCLA women's soccer website, she admires former New York Yankee Lou Gehrig. Now that you have the entire Cole family tree, let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Santiago in Carney, you're on the fan. Wow, the whole family thing. It's like an FBI thing. Yeah, I'm pretty good, right? Pretty thorough. <laughs> yeah, you're very good. <laughs> Listen, I I understand what you're saying, and I understand I'm with the other caller. Gary Cole could stay in California. 
Last time I checked, Houston had it and Washington beat it. It doesn't matter. The Yankees need to hit when they're in the playoffs. You understand? They need to hit. Whether they have Gary Cole, they can have Jesus Christ pitching. If they don't hit, they ain't winning. Bottom line is, Gary Cole could stay in California. It doesn't matter. I'm a Yankees fan, and I'm not in favor of giving all this money to this guy. You're, you're the only one that I've talked to that, that, that thinks like this. Well, let me tell you something. I I play baseball all my life. I not, I know the game, and I know how baseball it is. When you when you put all this money on the pitcher, he could get hurt, and then you don't have nothing. Look what happened with your Carlos Stanton. This guy is a, I mean, put it in the books. Bring Gary Cole to New York. Probably one championship for three hundred million dollars. That's what's going to cost. That's it. But Houston, did you, did you celebrate in two thousand nine when when they pulled out all the stops for Cece in the same way they're doing for Garrett? Listen, if the Yankees would have hit both times against Houston, they would have went to the World Series, and they probably would have won one without Gary Cole. Yeah. I know this game. I played this game all my life. If they don't hit. It doesn't matter who pitch. I understand? It doesn't matter. They don't hit, especially Georgie. What are they going to call Gary Cole when he gets here? Coley? Because this is what they do. They, they treat these guys like they're little kids, making millions of dollars. George, all these guys, they don't hit when they have to. It doesn't matter who's pitching. And Sanchez. It doesn't matter. And Gary Sanchez, too. And Santiago, thanks for the call. And, and you know, I, too, have been playing the game all my life. And, and I actually coach... Not baseball, but I coach softball, or I used to. And I do know that the Yankees didn't get that clutch hit, and I know that's what, you know, Hal Steinbrenner and 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 is, is saying in the Yes Network like two weeks ago. I know that's what Brian Cashman said in in his closing press conference. I know the Yankees didn't get the, the hit. That's the offense. That's the obvious. But when you think about their starting pitchers and how their starting pitchers were yanked, Quite early, in my opinion, having been around the game my entire life as well, the starting pitchers were yanked too early because they 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 are were ineffective in going any longer than what they went. So therefore, the bullpen pitchers, the relief pitchers, had to come in, and then it was like a mix and match, every puzzle piece, four hour long game. Since then, if you have a guy like Garrett Cole, who can give you some quality innings eat up innings so that you don't have to overexpose your bullpen. Maybe you keep some runs off the board that way. And then it doesn't matter if you need, if you, if you put so much pressure on your hitter, Gary Sanchez with the bases loaded and he strikes out. You know what I'm saying? So maybe, maybe you don't put that much pressure on your order because your pitcher can get it done. And in and let's do some math here. Garrett Cole has pitched one thousand one hundred and ninety-five innings in his career, and his his career wins and losses. This is like double math here. He's won ninety-four games. Of course, calculator is not coming up here. He's won ninety-four games plus fifty-two losses. So he's played in one hundred and forty-six games. So when you divide. Garrett Cole can give you, on average in his career, basically eight innings. 
that's his career average. He gives you eight innings per outing when you divide the innings per pitch based on the number of, of games he's played in. So I think that, yes, while the Yankees didn't get that clutch hit, we all saw it. That was the obvious. The not-so-obvious is the fact that their starting pitchers put the bullpen in a real bad spot and not only placed excess pressure on their lineup, but it placed excess pressure on their relief pitchers to not make a mistake. And let me tell you something. When you're trying to jam that ball up in there, when you're trying to force it, when you're trying to groove one, that's not a good situation. So, based on the, the family ties, based on the money he's saving or, or would be potentially saving in, in, lux, uh, in um, income tax, picking New York over California, based on the fact that he is a Yankee fan since he was little, and the Yankees, fan, the Yankees have made a pitching coach change, in my opinion, well in advance of Garrett Cole's arrival. And we'll hit that after the break, obviously. I am Danielle McCartan, and I am talking with you on WFAN Radio from Lower Manhattan, and we'll see you on the other side of the break. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross tomorrow night for Giants football as Big Blue heads down to Philly to take on the Eagles in the first two meetings this season. Our coverage gets underway at 645 right after a special hot stove baseball show with Sweeney Murdy live at baseball's winter meetings in San Diego here on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Oh, you stumped me on this one. I know the lyrics. Love like this before. I know, but I don't know who sings it, all right? I'm Daniel McCartan. McCartan After Midnight here on WFAN Radio in Lower Manhattan. And we have just really been drilling home this Garrett Cole to the Yankees point. I've got some callers on hold. You want to chime in, it's 877-337-6666. There's just one more point, if you allow me, to make about this. We've talked about how Garrett Cole is was is or let's just say was a Yankees fan growing up. He went to the World Series game in 2001 with that sign. You've seen it. He stayed in the same hotel as the team during the World Series. He said that he was he basically, I'll, I'll paraphrase, that he was starstruck by, by seeing Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, and Paul O'Neill in the lobby. His college catcher said that he's a big CC Sabathia guy. He's still a huge Yankees fan. He gets intense when he watches their games. That was back when, obviously, he was still in college. I have that source close to the situation that says that Andy Pettit said to them, and it's not a member of the media, that the meeting went really well. Um, The family ties, he and his sister, as I've outlined, are very close. Maybe, you know, she's followed him to UCLA, to Pittsburgh, and maybe he's going to follow her to New York now. We'll see. The dad's a huge Yankee fan. He's from Syracuse. Maybe he listens to WFAN. Um, His sister... According to the UCLA women's soccer website, says that she admires former New York Yankee Lou Gehrig. Now her brother could potentially play for the team. I mean, I know if that was my brother, I'd be really lobbying for the Yankees myself. Um, but my brother, my brother doesn't play baseball, and he's not the best pitcher in baseball. And then finally, the the part that nobody's talking about that we've already outlined is the fact that by choosing the Yankees over the Angels or Dodgers, just for the millionaires tax in each state. Garrett Cole would be saving himself $10 million to stay or to to choose New York over California. And that doesn't mean New Jersey because that has a different tax 
you know, percentage, that means New York. It would save him $10 million to live here in the city. And the final piece I wanted to outline that not a lot of people are talking about either. I haven't heard anybody talk about it, actually. The New York Yankee pitching coach changed, okay? The Yankees fired Larry Rothschild on October 28th. He's been there. He had been there for, what, nine years or so, something like that? He's 65 years old. They replaced him November 7th, 11 days later, with a guy half his age in Matt Blake. I think that the courtship of Garrett Cole dates back to October 28th, the day that they fired Larry Rothschild. We've talked about it on this program. Garrett Cole's career, this is the last week we talked, or the week before, Garrett's Cole career was resurrected. Not only resurrected, amplified. Maybe that's not the right word, but amplified by analytics in Houston. From Pittsburgh to Houston, and that is no secret. Bringing in Matt Blake, in my opinion, began that courtship. Just to give Garrett Cole something that he's used to. An analytics-based pitching coach. Rothschild, I can assume, wasn't that into analytics. And I'll give you a quote in a second that confirms that. But I know that Matt Blake is. And maybe this was the pitch. Hey, Garrett Cole, look. We have analytics, too. We got this guy, Matt Blake, just for you. Then you're probably sitting there like, well... Uh, James Paxton resurrected his career in New York, you'll say. And and maybe you could even make the point that Larry Rothschild wasn't want to do it. Right? Right? I mean, that's a logical argument. Let me tell you something. Matt Blake, this new pitching coach of the Yankees, he's proficient in rap soto. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Rap soto? Rap soto? But uh, we talked about it on here. It's the analytics-driven pitching technology and entire philosophy. Technology and philosophy. And it also help, helps the pitching coaches determine what pitches to throw in which counts. And it also tells you what pitches are strongest for individuals. So reports are that the Yankees exposed Larry Rothschild to these tools. And his results were, were really mixed. His, his, his willingness to accept them was really mixed. So much so that the team had to go around its pitching coach to help James Paxton throw more curveballs last year. And in essence, to save his season. So therefore, in conclusion, I should have been a lawyer, right? In conclusion, I think that the Yankees pitching coach changed when they fired Larry Rothschild on October 28th and hired Matt Blake on November 7th. 11 days later, I think that was Absolutely the plan all along. Not only the plan to improve their own pitchers and James Paxton, but to say to Carrie Cole, hey, look, we can do it too. We can do it like you just had in Houston. We can do it too. And then you got Brian Cashman. If you're a Yankee fan, you love this quote. He said, we are fully prepared to do what's necessary. Robin Bayside, you're on the fan. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Good. How are you, Rob? I'm good. I'm all about signing Garrett Cole. I think the one thing is, like, you always look about money. I, I wish he was 26 and tw- instead of 29, so you could look at a six-year contract for $250 million and be like, hey, listen, go for it. The thing is, I just wish you knew, hey, listen, we got a billion dollars to spend. Is $250 million the right move for us? I, I wish we could just know how much they had to spend. I want him. 
pitching really didn't, you know, mess us up in the playoffs this year. I think Paxton's going to come into his own. Tanaka's, you know, is solid. It's all about clutch hitting, so I think it's over-amplified, the fact that you need a, a, a massive starting pitcher. See, but I, let's I, I, I disagree there. Because when you, look well, at, when you look at both the Astros and the Nationals, the two teams that made it to the World Series, yes, they hit the ball in, in situational hitting, yeah, but they also had two of the best starting rotations in the entire baseball, MLB. Well, let's say, let's say you know, Garrett Cole next year is on the Yankees. He goes 18-5, and and in the first game of the ALDS, he gives up six runs. Then what? I don't think I don't see that happening. I, you know, yeah, for the for, don't know. There's, there's no guarantee. You're right. There is no guarantee, Rob. But when when you look at the Yankees, they're a hundred win team without him. So what? Exactly. It, it doesn't matter what his record's going to be in this in the regular season. Garrett Cole is yeah, the guy that they the need to get them you know, over the hump uh, over the hump in the postseason. And they don't have that yeah, guy. But, they don't have the clear cut number one starter. The Yankees never did. They haven't in a long time. Yeah, but neither did the Astros. They had two different guys. They, they had two different guys that were AL Cy Young finalists. All right, you win. Thanks, Rob. I mean, seriously. They had Garrett Cole, <laughs> who we're just talking about, and they had Justin Verlander. They were two out of the three finalists for AL Cy Young last year. Okay? Yes, starting pitching is important. Now, we could debate about if starting pitching is more important than clutch hitting all night long. We can. And it's probably, the answer probably is it's a combination of both. One hand washes the other, right? If you don't get enough innings from your starting pitching, then the bullpen is overexposed. If you don't get, and, and then it puts pressure on the bullpen and the hitters, as we were saying. And if you don't get the clutch hit, it puts pressure on the pitchers. We get it. We all know the game of baseball, right? We all know how that works. We've all played it. Sometimes I've umpired it. I've coached it. Joe in the Bronx, you're on the fan. Yes, hi. How are you? Good. How are you, Joe? I'm doing okay. Thanks. Uh, You know, I don't want to see any games in the playoffs with openers, the situation. You have to have solid starters. I'm in favor of the Yankees getting Garrett Cole, of course, but the impact, the negative impact that the suspension of Domingo Harmon had on the Yankees starting pitching I think it cannot be overestimated. I agree with you. I can't, because that that Joe, thank you that for the call. That's that's a guy that the Yankees were counting on to be there. And when the rug got pulled out from under them, rightfully so. I'm not saying for the Yankees, I'm saying for Herman himself when when he was basically a non-factor in the Yankees playoffs, that kind of screwed them up a little bit. Because when you're when you're counting on something to happen and it doesn't happen and you can't do anything about it at that point in time, chronologically speaking, you're in trouble. And the Yankees tried to do the best that they could. They they tried selling everybody on on the bullpen first mentality. Do they really believe it? I'm not so sure. I think they did a great job selling it, but if they really believed in it, I mean, we wouldn't be talking about Garrett Cole. We'd be talking about. Yankees courtship of Will Smith. We'd be talking about how the Yankees have already locked up Dellen Mitansis. We wouldn't be talking about how they have Cashman, Fishman, Boone, Blake, and Pettit on a on a private jet to sunny Southern California. Sunny Southern California, my bad. We wouldn't be talking about that. We'd be talking about how the Yankees have, they're going to roll with who they have, and they've been, like the Braves, bolstering the bullpen 
all off-season long. But, in fact, we're not talking about that. Bruce in Flushing, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Uh, three points about the Yankees. Thanks. Totally, totally agree with you about Cole. I feel good about this. If you look at the Yankee record, when they go after somebody full press, 90% of the time they get that guy. Yep. Sebastian, Tanaka, don't forget Hideki Matsui. So I, I have my, my guts tell me that by Monday or Tuesday we're going to get this done. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, we need a left-handed header to balance out this lineup. There was a rumor this week about Andahar going to Pittsburgh for Josh Bell. I have no problem with that. But to me, the guy I like to get is Carl Schwarber. He's a guy from a big market team. This guy's been in the World Series. He's been in pressure situations. He can be the DH. He can play a little first base. Um, is he the best defensive ball player? No, but he's a good enough hitter that he will balance out this lineup, and he's been in pressurized games. And lastly, the Yankees have to realize they're making a mistake if they don't re-sign D.D. Gregorius. I mean, they're blaming this guy because he had a little bit of an offseason. He came back from Tommy John. He probably shouldn't have come back that quickly, but his team was in a pennant race, and he wanted you know, to help his team. And for Jackson not to realize that, Cashman uh, is making a mistake. And Cashman usually doesn't make this kind of bad mistake, so I'm hoping he realizes he needs D.D. Bruce, thanks for the call. I think that, though, um, D.D. Gregorius is one of those things. I mean, obviously, you love D.D. Gregorius. I don't know anybody that doesn't like him. I've talked with him. He's great in the clubhouse. He speaks, like, four languages. Um, so I, I talked with him, and I was a fan of D.D. Gregorius after I talked with him that day. However, when you look at the Yankees infield, I mean, I guess the, the decision on that is going to be dependent upon what they do with Miguel Andujar. Because if you look at it, if you take Gregorius out of it, you're looking at an infield that has LeMahieu. You're looking at an infield that has Gio Urshela. Then uh, let's say Gio Urshela plays, uh, I don't know, second base, let's just say. Glaber Torres slides over to his regular position in shortstop. That's what he came up playing, shortstop. And then you, you stick Andujar uh, at, at third base. I mean, I don't think, I, I hate to say this, but I, I don't think there's a space for Didi in the infield defensively. In the lineup, they definitely need his bat back. But again, if the Yankees are talking about, oh, money, luxury tax, whatever, for Garrett Cole, I don't see how they're bringing Cole and Didi back in the same year. I just don't see it. And then I talked with Joe Girardi at that Italian dinner, the, the Italian gala, Italian American Foundation, Italian American Baseball Foundation. I asked him about being linked to Yankees uh, free agents, Batansis Gregorius. He said, this is the quote from him to me. You can watch it on my YouTube channel. He said, I know, obviously we're trying to improve our team. I have familiarity with team with them. I'm sorry, I have familiarity with them, and I think that's always good. I think they're both outstanding players. And he kind of looked at me and smiled. To me, I think he's going full court press on Didi Gregorius. You'd have to think. And you'd have to think that that's his fingerprint on that, on that whole entire roster. And maybe that's why he didn't end up with the Mets. But I did ask him about that, too. We can talk about that after the break. More Yankees, more Garrett Cole. You guys get in line. 877-337-6666. Nick's got you on that. 
And we'll talk more Garrett Cole and more Mets, more Yankees. And by the way, it's Football Sunday here on The Fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Good morning again, everybody. Let's jump right back into this. I'm Dana McCartan on WFAN. We are talking the Garrett Cole sweepstakes. There has been no announcement made yet, but I, I think it's going to be happening sooner rather than later. I think Garrett Cole wants to lock this up, and I think Garrett Cole will be a Yankee sooner rather than later. And if you guys want to get on, on hold, there's a lot of calls. I want to get right to them. It's 877-337-6666. Um, listen, for the reasons I've outlined before, you got... Obviously, he's a huge Yankees fan. He's got some real strong family ties. His sister is here in New York City, works in a law firm that has four offices in our area right here. Um, They're very close. He'll save by, not save, but if he goes to California, he'll be paying $10 million more in taxes on his earnings than he would if he were to come here to New York. And I think that was this, the, the pitching coach change, the, the oust of Larry Rothschild and the hiring of Matt Blake 11 days later was in anticipation of Garrett Cole coming here and part of the courtship of Garrett Cole to the New York Yankees. Set out to Woodbury. Pete, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Um, so, uh, you know, the last caller was saying uh, pitching's okay. I mean, clearly for the Yankees, We've seen it two years in a row now. Pitching, we need at least another ace, if not, I, I, I don't want to say two, but at no, least an I, I think one because another, Paxson came onto his own. You're getting Severino back. Yeah. You know, I think I think one, one's the number. One and maybe some depth. Yeah. At the end. Sure. In case of, uh, you know Montgomery or uh, Loizaga, Loizaga, right? Whoever, yeah. And the guy doesn't come back. Yep. So, having said that, my other uh, and and that would be great. I'm still skeptical. You guys all sound very um, optimistic about him coming. Um, I'm still skeptical because of the the West Cal- West Coast bias that I know he denounced. But let's just say for a moment, perhaps that both of Boris's clients, maybe he goes to L.A., uh, the California Angels, whatever they are, and I'm. Strasbourg uh, stays home. What would be your next? And, and I have a follow up too. If you, if you mm-hmm. just let me, sure. What, what would be your follow up? Would it be Ryu? Would it be Keiko? Bad bum. <sighs> now that Hamels and uh, Wheeler are forced off the board, uh, I'd probably go Mad Bum. Bum Gardner probably would be my second choice. I would too. And, and let me ask you this though: How many years for what? What amount would you go? See, he he's uh, he's been around, so I don't know how long. I mean, I wouldn't make it a seven year deal. I would make, and I don't no, know. No. You know, I, I don't know what he would. Would you give him five? Would you give him five for a buck and a quarter? Oh, hundred twenty five million. After the they're saying that's going to be a comp. Huh? Uh, yeah, I think the Yankees have to do it. I think they're in a position where they have to do it. I yeah. do too. And and my other thing is, um, being a big time Yankee fan, I, I bartend, so I, I probably watch every game, every game. Yeah. With with people watching with me, and everyone has an opinion. Yep, um, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, right. Um, 
there's no lefties in the lineup. Yeah. So, Didi, I, I get it. I get it. Configuring the infield, there's not a spot for him. But he was clutch and he was lefty. Two of the things we're lacking right now. Yep. I I, I, I love. I, I know we can't give him the boat, but can we at least offer him three years, uh, 50-54? Now, if you're Didi, I, I don't know if you're taking that though. I don't. I don't because I think you're you're expecting the big payday. You know, I, I agree yeah. from a Yankee standpoint. I think that's that's a fair deal. You know, but from right. from a Gregorius standpoint, I mean, he's earned it. I mean, he's coming off the, I, the surgery, but he he's earned that long term big money deal. Sure. And unfortunately, I, the Yankees I, can't give it to him. And I heard he wants to stay Yankee, but I mean, I haven't even heard that we're in the mix. I mean, at yeah. least if they make him an offer and he leaves, at least I'd say okay, he went back to Girardi. But yeah. if they don't make him an offer and he leaves, that that kind of leaves a little doubt. Because who knows what Ashella is? Who knows what Void is? Yep. You know what I mean? I mean, so I'm just, I'm a little concerned. And the heart off an injury, yes, it all looks good. LeMahieu, we only have for one more year, mind you. Yeah. I mean, we could always re-up him, but, you know, um, I'm just curious what you think about being, uh, you know, letting Didi go and being very right-handed. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Pete, thanks. I I, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think, Didi Gregoris' bat is what the Yankees are going to miss the most. I said that before. They didn't, like he said, I agree with him. They should at least offer him a qualifying, you know, uh, uh, an offer to say, okay, well, we tried in, in, in essence. And the Yankees did not extend the one year. It was $17.8 million offer to Gregorius. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't offer him it. They didn't even give him a chance. Um, so, Yeah. I think that his bat, his clutch hitting, his his presence in the lineup, his his ability to spray the ball all over the field in a lineup that doesn't really know how to do that. Let's be honest. You got guys like Judge and Stanton and Sanchez up there in that lineup. That is a third of the lineup. I think it's val- his bat is valuable. His fielding is also valuable, but I think the Yankees can can compensate for that. So bottom line, D.D. Gregorius, I think they should offer him something. But ultimately, I don't think he's staying because, like I said, from his standpoint, he's earned it. He's earned the long-term deal. He's earned the big money. And uh, you guys know I have my favorite website is SportsRack. Uh, to Madison Bumgarner, they're putting him, his market value, at five years, $105 million, basically $106 million. I think if the Yankees, for whatever reason, Garrett Cole decides to stay in California, I think uh, the Yankees have to go after Mad Bum next. Chris in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Thanks for holding on. Chris, are you there? All right, Chris. Going once, twice. Sorry about that, Chris. David in, David in Westbury, you're on the fan. Um, hi, Danielle. Uh, I'd like to address a couple of things that people have uh, come up with against the signing of Garrett Cole. Sure. One, one is there's obviously... There's no salary cap, so I don't. As a Yankee fan, I don't care mm-hmm. how much money they spend. They, they, I've never seen them not get a guy just because of money. Right. But the second thing is something no one's talking about is the psychological effect on the hitters on both sides. If you're a Yankee and you're going out there and you know you have to score five or six runs to win. It's much harder to hit when you know that. Yeah, I was talking about that and a little the, bit before. Sure, it puts a lot more pressure on the, on the, and on the Yeah, and on the other side, if you know that uh, all you got to do is 
tie into a Tanaka hanging slider and he's going to be out of the game and you're going to be with your middle relief, mm-hmm. it makes it much easier for the other side to hit. So it's not, you can't just say, well, they didn't hit. But when when you know your ace is out there, it's easier to hit. Am I right? Yeah, I agree with you. And, and, and like, for example, let's talk about how, how the Yankees and Astros series played out. I mean, when you yank Tanaka in what the seventh inning, just just to put in a reliever or whatever the sixth inning, because he was he was he was rolling. Now you're overexposing the bullpen, and now you've you've as as the Astros, you've gotten looks at at the, these middle relievers that you know gives you an advantage in the series moving forward. Right, I I agree with that, and I I just don't think people are counting on what it means to a team. Yeah, when you can send a guy out there that you know is going to shut down the other team and what it means to the other team, too. It puts so much pressure on the other team. Yep. I agree. So I'm, I'm, I'm in a complete agreement with your perspective on it. I just wanted to address those two points. Yeah, David, thanks for that. And and Garrett Cole, I mean, he's got a lifetime ERA of 322, right? And when he's in the postseason, he's got an ERA, let's see. I want to venture to guess that it's lower. Yeah, 2.6 in four years, seven series, 2.6 ERA. So not only is he good in the regular season, he's better in the postseason. Imagine that. He gives up two runs, 2.6 runs earned. Five hits per nine innings. As, as, as the opponent, I'm like, man, I don't want to go up against that. Carlo, Kings Park, you're on the fan. Good, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, Daniel. Um, definitely talk about some Yanks. Um, yes, I want Garrett Cole, without a doubt. He's, he's definitely the difference maker. There's no question about that. Yep. Because he adds added pressure on the on the offense of the other team. Because let me tell you right now, uh, the the Yankees are blah. And what I mean by blah is they're too predictable. And if you have somebody like that, that is not predictable. That is just awesome. I mean, he is. He's unbelievable. Yep. He really is a difference maker. Um, they, were, they were talking before about balance in the lineup as far as left-handed, left-handed batters. If you lose Didi, yeah, they have people to replace him. But guess what? They're all right-handed. Mm-hmm. You need balance in the lineup. That's a big deal. Because if people know what's coming, guess what? They, they, it, it's, it's a huge factor. It's a huge factor. Yeah, especially in a park that plays, and Carlo, thanks for the call, especially in a park that plays to a, a left-handed pull hitter's advantage with that short porch and right. Louie and Beth Page, if you could make it quick, we're a little bit up against the break. You're on the fan. No problem. That Your show is really great, but let me tell you Thank something. you. you want the Yankees can throw all this money around. In about three years from now, you got to pay a lot of other players on that team. Yep. How much is a hot dog going to cost? $10? How much is a soda going to cost? Parking. A family of four. You're worried about saving $10 million to millionaires? It's a millionaire sport. It's a shame. Yep. It hurts the average man going. I'm sorry. These salaries out of hand. You need a salary cap. All the money. A family of four. What, $200 to go to a game? Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. Yes, save $10 million. They make millions already. But- Louie, you were, you were good up until that last part there. Got to drop you here. But um, I, I was shocked. I, I went to the Yankees AL... DS game, and I was actually shocked at the cost of parking. I, I pulled up to the lot, and it went up 
I said to her, I said, well, what do you mean? It's like 45, it's 40 bucks during the regular season, whatever it is, 45. Oh no, this is a playoff game. It costs more. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Okay. Well, what are you going to do at that point? You have to pay it and there's no parking on the street anywhere. So yeah, I do agree with that. Um, but I'm not sure that's how it, I mean, my dad likes to think that that's how it breaks down as well, that it's just passed off onto the consumer. I'm not so sure. I don't know. And I would like to ask somebody that does know, but until then, I I don't have an answer for you. But um, Garrett Cole to the Yankees, get it done. Get it done yesterday, Brian Cashman. And we'll talk more about Yankees. We haven't even talked about any of the Mets moves yet, so we'll do that. And a quick Giants-Jets, because it is football Sunday here in New York City. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. <laughs> this is a good song if we were going to do Giants. Guess who's back, back again? Eli Manning. And Eli Manning is back in... Under center for the New York Giants. Um, and I'm Dana McCartan here with you on WFAN Radio. We are a little over halfway through uh, the show here tonight. Uh, we are going to have John Schmelk on at 440 to f- figure out what's going on with the Knicks. Um, in the meantime, we'll quickly um, finish up the Yankees and Mets talk here. So basically, um, the Yankees are in a good position, in my opinion, for to land Garrett Cole. I think... Um, I think it's just a foregone conclusion, honestly. That's that's what I'm thinking. And I had just a suggestion come through on Twitter. At Michael Dragon 19 says, he's playing GM a little bit, but he says, Andujar, Voigt, and a minor league pitcher for Josh Bell of the Pirates. Helps solve left-handed hitting. Thoughts? I kind of like it. I mean, Bell is an awesome player. He sprays the ball all over the field, and he's a left-handed. So you slide, he's a first baseman. You slide Didi to second. Torres, shortstop. I mean, I'm sorry, Didi. DJ LeMahieu to second base, Torres to shortstop, or Shell to third base. And I am operating under the the premise that D.D. Gregorius will not be back next year. And quickly, the Mets, we're not going to have to play GM because the Mets GM actually made a move for that true center field that everybody calls up here asking for in Jake Marisnik. And it was a, a swap with the Astros where the Astros got two prospects that were not in the Mets' top 30. However, this guy Kennedy Corona – Outfielder, who's 19 years old, he hit 301 in the minors last year. That might end up hurting the Mets, but not right now. And the Mets are in sort of kind of right now mode. And you got to give up to get something. And with the acquisition of Jake Marisnik, Brody Van Wagenen and the Mets have solidified their stance in the win now mode. And Brody must not have been listening last week when I made that strong case for Starling Marte to the Mets. But I guess I'll let that, let that slide because he probably got a better deal on Marisnik because he's set to make $3 million this year in his final year's salary arbitration. And then he's in his contract year because next season after that, he's an unrestricted free agent. So he's in his contract year with the Mets. That's always a good sign, I think, for guys that are motivated by money, which which one of us isn't, right? Some pros and some cons for him. For everything I've seen, Houston fans loved him. Definitely a fan favorite. He's 28 years old as well. Um, Brody said that Jake is an elite defender who is an incredibly smart base runner. Among our offseason plans was to improve defensively, and he's he is one of the best in the game, and he is. He's not a great offensive producer, which we'll get to in a second, but he has, in my opinion, above-average play discipline, and he swings only at 35% of the pitches outside the zone. His defense, and he has made quite some plays for the Astros last season, including a few that only had a less than 40% catch rate, according to fan graphs, and he doesn't miss many. He's got a 993 fielding percentage in center field where he's played 533 games in his career. He's in the top percentile in, in sprint speed, outfielder jump, which is important in, in getting to those those impossible balls. 
and maybe make it a play on him. And he's in the 85th percentile and outs above average. There's only 10 fielders that were better than him in this category. In defensive runs saved in that category, I know maybe some of you guys aren't analytics, but in defensive runs saved, a plus 15 makes you a gold glove caliber. He had plus 12 in Houston. Although, though, his his offensive reduction is just very, very average. Uh, Brody said he's a plus base runner. Sure. Um, what's concerning to me at the plate is his best season came in 2017 as Carlos Beltran's teammate. That's also the first year that the Astros were accused of cheating. Makes you think. It just makes you think. Pause for thought. I don't know. 2017, he was left off the postseason roster due to injury, but he was still on the 40-man and did get a ring. Uh, what happened was, maybe you're interested in the injury, it was just a sliding injury. His thumb got caught on second base. Uh, he was cleared to field, but not to bat, and the Astros decided just to keep him off. His spray chart looks okay. He hits a lot of ground balls, a lot of line drives, but definitely more of a pull hitter than a push hitter. And just if you're a Mets fan and you're watching J.D. Davis in the outfield last year, I think this is a, just a very welcome defensive upgrade for the Mets this season. I think, well, Marte still would have been a better solution just based on his offensive offensive performance, which is better than Marisnik's. I just, for me, I just don't think the Mets are at a point yet where they could sacrifice offensive production for defense, right? Is, isn't that why they, they picked up Wilson Ramos, right? And with all that being said, uh, you know, my day job, I give this a, a B- minus for the Mets, considering they gave up pretty much nothing for a player in his contract year. Let's head back to the phones. Fairview, New Jersey. Jeff, you're on the fan. Yeah, yeah, how are you? Good, how are you, Jeff? Good, doing great. All right. I want to talk about Nimmo and uh, Keith Hernandez. But first, you, Daniel, after midnight, you should do that song by Eric Clapton, After Midnight. It would be great, <laughs> perfect for your show. I'll have to take a look at it. It's a great song. Check it out. All right. Nimmo and Mar- Marnikis, how do you say it? Uh, Mar- uh, Marcinic. What is it? Marcinic. 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 <laughs> <laughs> the, way guess, the way it looks is different than the way it's it says. Mariznik. Mariznik it is. Mariznik, right. Yeah. Uh, I guess they're going to platoon. I mean, if you know, if we don't find mm-hmm. another center fielder, yeah. you know, one guy's righty, one guy's lefty. Yep. I just have a feeling if, if Nimmo, Nimmo's a good on-base percentage guy. Yep. If he's healthy, this guy, he'll, he'll lead the league in triples. You know, and he's a pretty good doubles guy, too. Like two years ago, he had a decent year. Yep. And now he's older, you know, smarter. So that's going to be interesting. And the, bo- the other guy is a good good outfielder. He's no hit, though. Sounds like Juan Lagaris a little, but he can yeah. steal bases. Yep, his comp is Juan Lagaris, yes. And he's not getting signs, so, you know. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> yeah. No signs. Yeah. Uh, Keith Hernandez. I think if Bill Mazeroski is in the Hall of Fame for his defense, Keith Hernandez should be. Not only... But and Keith Hernandez could hit. He won an MVP. He won two World Series titles with two different teams. I mean, Don, Don Lanley is great, but he won zero. You know, great. I mean, I think Keith Hernandez should be in. What do you think about that? Um, again, this is one of those things, Jeff, where Keith Hernandez played before my time. Um, he won those World Series before I was born. Um, but based on those accolades and based on his numbers, you know, why not? Why isn't he there? I agree. I mean, he's a career on-base percentage. I'm looking at it now at 384. Um, batting average is basically 300 for his career. 
not to mention the MVP, the two-time World Series, Silver Slugger, 11-time Gold Glove. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that those are qualifications. I'd have to look at you know his comps versus all the other first basemen that are already in. That's the way I like to do that um, because that's the case I made for Mark Bavaro versus the other tight ends that were, were in the Hall of Fame, which I concluded that Bavaro, even though his career was shortened, should have been in the Hall of Fame. Um, but Keith Hernandez, that'd be interesting. But on first class, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that might be a good fit. Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Tony? All right, I think we lost Tony there. Let's head out to New Jersey. Billy, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you today? Good. How are you, Billy? Doing okay. Um, so I wanted to start out by saying that my birthday is Tuesday, and the perfect gift would be Garrett Cole, a fat contract in pinstripes. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I wish um, I could give that to you. Oh, I am praying for it, because if you look at it, CC. We gave him the contract. He brought us a title, and then he had to reinvent himself with, you know, bring this the uh, the cutter on towards the end of the like the end of his career. Garrett Cole is already coming, and he's a multi pitch pitcher, and he throws the gas now. Right. That's what we need. We need that ace that can do all of that. Yep. Yeah, and and be reliable, be reliable in the postseason as well as oh, as as 100%, he is. <laughs> and 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 uh, sorry to cut you off. And a pitcher that can eat all the innings. Yep. We, and, we don't. If we have a great bullpen, I don't want to waste all of that. Yeah. Have somebody that can go out, put the put the glove on the mound, take care of the game, and then bring in your best. Not rely on your best in the bullpen to stretch the game out. Yep. And Billy, thanks for calling. We, we talked about that. We talked about how it puts unnecessary pressure on the bullpen and unnecessary pressure on your own batting lineup, your own batting order to do something like that. I, call me old school, call Billy old school, but you need pitchers that are going to go longer than just five innings. Come on. Peter in Lawrence Township, you are on the fan. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you? Well, basically, I've been listening for the past two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder how many people can still say the name Benny Agbayani. Agbayani, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I agree with you on the infield for the Yankees. I think it's time to tell Gregorius goodbye mm-hmm. and put Traber where he belongs, at short, where mm-hmm. he was raised. Um, if they're going to get Garrett Cole... We have to make sure he can adapt to New York. You don't want another Ed Whitson or someone like that. AJ Burnett. That too. You know, you've got to stop wasting money to get pitchers that you want for five years, and then you have problems after two. Yeah. You don't want another Don Gullett who only be there for a year and a half. Peter, thanks for the call. Yeah, I, 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 I do understand what you're saying. However... You don't know that until you try. You don't know if he's going to be able to pitch in New York until you get him here. Justin and Dobbs Ferry, you're on the fan. I told you the Jets were going to win that game. How are you, Danielle? <laughs> Good. How are you? <laughs> um, I, I'm not. I'm not sold on Garrett Cole for the Yanks. What? Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. You know, here we are talking about the Astros cheating. I mean, they're they're pitching Savant. Their coaching with their pitching is amazing. But, you know, I'm just not sold on him being the guy to 
put us over the top, replace CC Sabathia. I, I'm not on board. I, I, I'd rather I want. I really want Madison Bumgarner. Um, I think he's tough. I think he brings bravado. I think he's got all the the stuff that you would want to replace a guy like CC Sabathia. He could be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like his toughness. I like his attitude. I like the fact that he goes after guys. He's not afraid of guys. When when CC threw that pitch last year and and forfeited his bonus, you know. I see Madison yeah. Bumgarner as being that type of guy. Okay, gritty, tough. You know he's gonna he's gonna battle. Um, you know Garrett Cole. I think the Astros made him who he was, who he is, or was this year. Um, and I don't know if, if is he going to be able to repeat that. Is he going to be able to repeat that long term? And frankly, do the Yankees? Does the Yankees? Do we have the coaching staff to make that happen? The Astros are savants. I mean, they're, you know. Yeah, I think with everybody. Justin, thanks for calling. Yeah, I think that with Matt Blake, I think that you do have the pitching staff, the pitching coaches at least that can do that. And you have Aaron Boone in the dugout who um, is analytics driven. So let's head out to Denville. Dennis, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you today? Good. How are you? I'm good. Hey, I love listening to this show. Uh, Great time. Thank you. Hey, real quick, I don't know if you were at Derek Jeter's last game, um, oh, yeah. but I was just wondering yep. if you think that he is going to be a unanimous decision well, for the Hall of Fame. Yes, Dennis, thanks for the call. Yes, I was at the, the final game. I was uh, standing in the stands crying beginning in, what, the, the sixth or seventh inning on toward to the end of that game. Um, remember, like it was yesterday, really, is Derek Jeter going to be a unanimous, unanimous selection to the Hall of Fame? Um Although I would like him to be, I don't think he will be. Um, I really don't think so. I think you got some guys in up in Boston that are going to uh, vote uh, vote no. And, you know, Derek Jeter towards the end had a little bit of a drop-off. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just don't know. Because if you look at Derek Jeter's career, yes, he was clutch. Yes, he had so many World Series. Yes, there are still Derek Jeter detractors out there. And unfortunately for him, um, I don't think so. I think, well, Mariano Rivera is, I think, un- the unanimous selection among all fans, even Red Sox fans, as being the best closer of all time. I don't I don't know if Derek Jeter is, is in, held in the same regard as them, um, as he is. So um, although I would like to see it, as a Derek Jeter shortstop fan, my a former shortstop myself, I just I, I just don't see it. Um, and that's that. Um, we're having a lot of Hall of Fame talk tonight, huh? Um, so the Mets end up with, with Marisnik and... So the Mets end up with Marisnik, uh, and in terms of um, starting pitching, maybe they want to replace Wheeler's innings. I think uh, Porcello or Rourke, I think they would be some good uh, selections for them because when you look at um, Wheeler, he, he, he has about, he's good for 150 innings a season. Porcello would put you over that if you're Mets, if you're the Mets. Uh, ERA for Wheeler is 377. Rourke has a better one than him. Wins per season. Porcello can give you 13.5, whereas Wheeler gave you 8, 
And then the, the big concern I have with Rick Porcello is the fact that he gives up a lot of runs. And I don't know if the Mets lineup could overcome the deficit that he would create in giving up those runs. Who knows? Maybe the new analytics pitching coach uh, could straighten him out because the Mets got one too and welcome the project. I mean, Porcello has made over $20 million per year. That's like yikes for the Mets. I think Roark is is the 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 cheaper option. Um and he's got the lowest ERA out of the three of them. So I'm still going Tanner Roark for the Mets if they wanted to replace Wheeler in their pitching rotation. Okay, more more New York sports, Mets, Yankees, Jets, Giants, all after the break. Uh 877-337-6666. I am Daniel McCartan on the fan. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 101.9 FM, WFAN, New York. And I'm Daniel McCartan, back with you on WFAN Radio. And listen, we had a lot of uh, Yankees and Mets talk. And um, we were forgetting that, you know, it is Football Sunday. And we have two teams in New York that, you know, let's be honest, aren't aren't so very good. Um but the Jets are, are taking on the Dolphins, who they lost to earlier this season. Okay, they were winless, and the Jets lost to them. And the Giants are going to be on Monday Night Football for the whole entire nation to watch. And Eli Manning is getting a shot. He's getting his chance. And... There's a lot of speculation about which head coach is is going to go next. Uh, you've got Pat Shermer. The the fans on on my as we were talking, Marco and I were just talking over the break. My very scientific polls. You guys think that Pat Shermer is going to go next? I mean, we've seen the Devils coach go. We've seen the Knicks coach go. Everybody seems to think the Giants coach is going to be next. In my opinion, I think it's the Jets. I mean, we're talking Jets, Dolphins, and the Jets lost to the Dolphins the first time around, and they were winless, and the Jets lost to the Bengals the second time around. I mean, the the second loss, historic, they were 0-11. The Bengals were 0-11, and the Jets lost to them. And I don't know if you heard, but Ryan Tannehill just... Needed to get away from Adam Gase. He's in the running for NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Ryan Tannehill. And seemingly, the Titans are a team that no one wants to play. Under Gase, he posted a quarterback rating of 93. Rounded off, 93. Tannehill this year has a rating of 114. He has 12 touchdowns and only four interceptions. Never under Gase did he play at such a clip. Never once. So Adam Gase, this quarterback whisperer, his former quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, is flourishing without him. And last or a couple weeks ago, we had on Chad Cascadden, who gave a great perspective of a coach losing the locker room from his experience in the Kotite years. The main thing he said was to look at the injury report to see how many guys are not playing with, as he described, mysterious injuries. So I did. This week, the Jets have 13 players on the injury report. Dolphins have zero. And because I came across of it in my research for tonight, and I know the game is Monday, but the Eagles have 
one player out and three questionables. Giants have four players listed as a totally out. And, I mean, I've returned to watching must-watch TV in the Adam Gase press conferences, and the first 41 seconds of a nine-minute press conference is reading off a list of names on an injury report, and then another full minute explaining the sicknesses and injuries. So one minute and 40 seconds out of that nine-minute press conference was injuries on Thursday. And by the way, I made the adjustment to my fantasy football team and my free league that I play in just just for pride. I, I sat Le'Veon Bell because he is out for later today. And just another note, only four projected offensive and defensive starters will have played in every game for the Jets this this uh, this year so far. Steve McClendon, Marcus May, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. Actually, I started Crowder as my flex instead of Bell. Thanksgiving, when we're all watching football and we're all eating our turkey, and in my case, the, uh, the, the, the lasagna, Adam Gase doesn't go home to Thanksgiving dinner with his own family. Why? He let the players go home early so he can stay in game plan. Adam Gase game plans so much that he loses to the winless Cincinnati Bengals and his offense doesn't even see the red zone in that game versus the one of the worst defenses in the league. I'm getting a little excited here. Some offensive guru, if you're staying that late and skipping Thanksgiving, either you don't like your family or you're not doing something right. Wait a minute. Haven't we had this conversation before this season where the Jets lose to a winless tanking team? Right, yeah, after the Jets lost to the Miami Dolphins in Week 9. And the Jets, in their loss to the Bengals, made NFL history. You know, the Bengals dumped the Gatorade cooler on their coach. This isn't the Super Bowl. You got Jamal Adams crying in the locker room. You got Le'Veon Bell complaining he's not getting enough carries. And Le'Veon Bell has cracked. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Mean Girls, wherein, quickly, if you're not... They do, it's about the popular girls and the ones that aren't popular, and they do some sabotage on the queen. Interestingly enough, her name is Regina George. Regina is a queen in Italian. The queen bee, Regina George. Their plan of attack is to pry her best friend, Gretchen Wieners, away from her. Now, Gretchen Wieners was a great soldier for Regina George and Mean Girls. She did everything for her, even the dirty work. Never complained. Eventually... The non-popular girls ended up cracking Gretchen Wieners to take Regina George down. Le'Veon Bell is the Jets' Gretchen Wieners. Adam Gase is their Regina George. After the game, Bell complained about his workload. He cracked. Le'Veon Bell, who's been a great soldier like Gretchen Wieners for Adam Gase all season long, has cracked. He's obviously and he's visibly frustrated with what's going on with this team. And now I think this is just the beginning. And I can only hope for the benefit of this franchise. And I don't want you guys calling up and saying, oh, well, Christopher Johnson said he's staying. Yeah, well, I looked back. Well, John Mara said Ben McAdoo was safe, then fired him and the GM like a week later. Last season, Marvin Lewis signed a contract to come back this year and didn't. Let me ask you something, sitting there listening to this program on your radio. Will Jason Garrett be coaching next year? The Cowboys, let's say. Answer to yourself. You probably said, no, he's not coaching the Cowboys. Well, here's what Jerry Jones had to say. He said, in my opinion, Jason Garrett will be coaching in the NFL next year. Well, how 
steadfastly sure are you to make that statement, Jerry Jones, in front of a bunch of people if he wasn't going to be back on your own team, if you already didn't know that? And Adam Gase, Christopher Johnson said on November 13th that before the end of this season, uh, the Jets will not fire Adam Gase and the team will not make a coaching change after this season either. Either. Well, let me tell you something. The Jets made history last week in that loss. They didn't even get into the red zone. Carlos Dunlap looked like Warren Sapp. He had three sacks in the game. Had a total of two and a half sacks total going into the game. It was his best game of the season and probably will be the best game of his season. The Jets were not ready to beat an 0-11 team that Adam Gase literally spent days game planning for. That, to me, is alarming. Let's go to phones, 877-337-6666. Dan in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Dan. Uh, Okay, Dan, you lose. Tony in Providence, you're on the fan. Good morning. You do a great job, by the way. Thank you. Uh, um, Before I talk about the NFL generally, uh, good point, Eli. I'm so glad he's going to start this week. I think he's going to do well. I hope so, Daniel, because two Super Bowls, he beat Tom Brady and the Patriots. I hope he has a great game Me too. Uh, this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, and uh, great, some, some great matchups this week. I like the 49ers over the Saints because uh, the Saints have some defensive players out, and I and they were saying, well, the 49ers are not that good. Some people, I think they are really good. They are the real deal. What do you think about that game? Uh, I think the 49ers. Yeah, I, I think I, and Tony, thanks for the call. I think the 49ers are the real deal. And I think a quarterback that has learned under Tom Brady for so many years, um, like Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I think that only bodes well for them. Um, and, and, and I want to go back to, to Adam Gase because, like I told you, I, I'm back to watching. You guys get a treat because I'm back to watching his postgame press conferences. And we talked about it here. Before that Bengals game, and I'm no NFL coach. Let's let's be honest. I'm not trying to pretend to be an NFL coach, but we talked about how the the Jets' offense always sets up like these short fields, like, and and the opposing offense doesn't have to go so far t- to put points on the board. Well, and maybe Adam Gates listens to the show because this is a quote: "We never flipped the field. We stayed back." backed up and created short fields for them. When you only have to go 60, 55 yards, it helps you. We just stayed pinned back. We could just never get out of it. We literally talked about this, guys, as a trend last week. But the Jets, I mean, they're ranked 19th of 32 teams in points given up per game. His offense has the worst average starting position in the NFL. I mean, now, going into that game, and now it's only second worst, only to the Cowboys. And they don't seem to be struggling as, as much as Gase is. Garrett has two more wins than Gase. And likely he's out at the end of the season. And many Cowboys fans want him gone sooner. So the sad fact is that the Jets' offense has been so bad that it sacrifices and puts their defense in a position to fail. The best run defense in the league is set up to fail because Adam Gase's offensive guru talents can't get the Jets in a position to succeed. And they asked him about in the press game, post-game press conference, 26 passes and nine rushes in the first half. Well, what's up with that? Adam, Adam Gates goes, I mean, that's what I called. <laughs> that was it. 
What? You're playing the worst run defense in the NFL. Uh, we talked about it here, guys. I'm not an NFL coach, but someone asked me about that, the follow-up question. And he said, yep. I mean, we had some positive plays going on. Sometimes we were moving the ball. It's, come on, it's laughable. Then they, someone asked me about the, the mood in the locker room. He goes, it's quiet. You didn't come here to lose. So literally walked off the stage. Literally walks off the stage. Then you got Sam Darnold answering the same question, and he says, this is a quote, it sucks to lose the game. I think it's like every other game, though. When you lose, it's not fun. This is a 22-year-old giving a more mature response than a grown man head coach. Come on. And then here's what's most bothersome to me. The fact that Adam Gay said this. Someone asked him what his message to fans was, and he said, things just didn't work out for us this year. We couldn't get things rolling in the right direction. Et cetera, et cetera, right? There's more to the quote, but what do you mean? We couldn't get things working this year. Couldn't get things in the right direction. Uh, to me, that sounds like a coach that's given up. And how do you expect your players to, to play hard and not give up if you seemingly, read between the lines, have just given up on your own team? Things just didn't work out for us this year. I mean, come on. I, I think that's he's got a vote that he's got a vote of confidence from his ownership. I think that's lame duck. I think that's apathy. I don't like it. And if you're a Jets fan, I, I don't know how you're okay with that. And he said later on, he said, uh, "We're going to try to put one good game together so we can win this week. One good game. You should be looking to win the rest of them. I mean, really. I just think that's that's a coach that's just." has given up on his team. Chris in Richfield, Connecticut. You're on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I was just wondering what you think about Angel's shots of getting Garrett Cole away from uh, the Yankees. The Angels shot of getting Garrett Cole. I think um, they could probably pony up the, the cash. I think they have the advantage because they are pretty much Garrett Cole's hometown team. I mean, it's not Angel Stadium is not far from Newport Beach at all. Um, I just... Everything that I've seen um, indicates that Garrett Cole is going to the Yankees. Every single thing I've seen. I mean, I've outlined it. I'm not going to go through it all again, but I've outlined every single thing. In my opinion, it's a foregone conclusion that Garrett Cole will be a Yankee. And I hope that they just, for everybody's sake around here, so we don't have to keep speculating on this, I hope that the Yankees just lock it up and get it done with. Tom in North Brunswick, you're on the fan. How's it going, Danielle? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, uh, real quick, I think the winter meetings start on Monday. Yep. Well, I'm San looking Diego. forward to. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to the Mets uh, getting some bullpen help. And and you know that was a great interview with N- Nimmo because I like Nimmo. Thank you. I, you know he's an on-base machine. And I think he'd be a good legal hitter. As long as he's healthy, I have no problem with him being starting center fielder. Yeah, me neither. And and thanks for this call, Tom. And thanks for listening for so so long. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think he, he's got the fire and the desire to do it, and that's what they'll end up doing. They'll, they'll pl- platoon him um, with Marisnik, and that's how they'll handle that. You know, on days where Nimmo needs rest, or you know, hopefully he's not hurt. So we'll just say on days that he needs rest, they're going to put Marisnik in, and Marisnik is an upgrade 
defensively. So, you know, it's like, how, how does the manager want to play it? Do you want to go with a defensive lineup for the day or do you want to go with an offensive lineup for the day? And, and that's going to pretty much be it. Um, and then Nimmo also gives you some some flexibility in, in other outfield positions. So I, I think it's a great move, the Marisnik move. And I, and I think uh, for his sake, and because everybody loves him, he's a great player. He walks a lot. Brendan Nimmo, I'm talking, walks a lot, all that. He's an on-base machine, as the caller just said. So, yes, I agree with that. Um, and we are ready for the reset, the 5 o'clock reset. Everything's back on the table. All sports, all teams. Get on the phone, 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Hey, good morning, everybody. I am back with you, Daniel McCartan. We're rolling towards the 6 a.m. deadline course and this is the time where you guys get on the phone 877-337-6666 we've talked a lot tonight about Garrett Cole we've talked a lot tonight about uh, the Mets um, and their moves and what their sale to Steve Cohen eventually will mean for the team we've talked about I in, in my scientific polls I know but I had um, I had run a poll and then asked which Coach will be let go first, Giants or Jets? And you guys all said Giants, 90% of you. I'm in the minority, the big, the, the small, I guess, minority, saying that Adam Gase deserves to go. And the Jets obviously are taking on the Dolphins again this week. 1 p.m. game, obviously, from MetLife Stadium. And, and, and as I was driving in, I did a quick check on StubHub, which I'm going to open now. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but let's say a secondary ticket market. And the tickets now have dropped to Eight. Oh, let's see. Lowest price, six dollars and ninety-two cents. Gets you an upper sideline ticket for the New York Jets one p.m. game at MetLife Stadium. I can only imagine that they're going to drop from there. How, how? Where can you go to an NFL Week 14 football game where the ticket costs you less than a beer? You could probably buy two tickets for the price of one beer. That is embarrassing. And Adam Gase is 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 leading this team into embarrassing oblivion. And now they're going to host the three and nine Dolphins. And the, guess what? The Dolphins' offense plays very nicely into, for them into the Jets' defensive scheme. The Jets have the top rush defense in the league, and the Dolphins average the fewest rushing attempts and rushing yards of any team in the league. So it's no matter. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be creating some Fitz magic in Miami this year, and he's going to bring it back to MetLife Stadium to these lowly Jets. I mean, just look at what Devontae Parker did last week. Three go routes. Three go routes. One was literally 50 yards in the air downfield completion. The other two, Fitzpatrick just threw it up. He's a, he's a physical receiver that the, that the Jets direly need on their roster, but that's besides the point. One of them was like 33 yards. One of them, I was counting the hash marks. One of them was like 25 yards. Both of them were completion. Both of them were a touchdown. Parker is career high in receiving yards and touchdowns this year. It's just incredible what he's done. And he's going to torch the Jets. He, Devontae Parker, if you don't have him, if he's not claimed on your fantasy league, pick him up. I I should look, actually, on the next break. I will look, too. Because the the Jets gave up. Nine receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown against Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate. Like, who? 
I mean, come on. Darnold was sacked four times against one of the worst statistical defenses in the league. He threw it 48 times. What? And the Jets were penalized 10 times? One of them caused the safety? The Jets have the eighth most flags thrown against them this season. How about some discipline much? Coach? Coach Gase? Coach Adam? Coach Guru? Believe it or not, the Jets are five-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. To me, this sounds like an uninspired bunch coupled with a head coach that doesn't know what he's doing. Sam Darnold is going to make things interesting all on his own later today. I got the Dolphins 35, Jets 24. Brian and Lakewood, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How you doing tonight? All right. How or are this you? morning, I guess. I, <laughs> I know. It's confusing. <laughs> I'm going to do something hard here. I'm going to try to actually say why Gay should stay. And my whole building block here is it's his first year. Now, I know he's not a rookie head coach by any means. He was obviously with the Dolphins. But in one year, to come in and just decide, okay, I know everything. I'm going to get everything out of every player. I think it's just too much to ask for. Plus, he starts off, well, doesn't start off the season, but very quickly into the season, loses his starting quarterback. I, I think I, you that, have to give see that, that, at least No, I don't give years. credit at all. I don't give credit for losing a starting quarterback like that. I mean, come on. Come on. Well, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't hurt the quarterback. The guy got sick. Well, actually, he actually had two quarterbacks practicing, and, and Falk literally walked from the practice squad into the game. He didn't give him any reps in practice before that guy was expected to play. That falls on the coach. No, I understand. Yeah, no, that, that, that particular thing, yeah, that's on the coach. I'm saying Darno getting sick. Okay. You know, and, and being with the mono, I mean, he had no control over that. But, like he, but Aaron Boone know, didn't have any. Aaron Boone that. didn't have any control over the thirty guys that got hurt on his team, and everything seemed to work out fine for him. He prepared his I players can't argue well. With you there, because Boone did a, an incredible job in that. He didn't get manager of the year. That's a travesty. But yeah. I, I just think you have to give a guy one more, you know, another chance past the year. And I know that's tough to do. You only have sixteen games. You're basically almost throwing away a season. But you have to give the guy at least one more year, and then after two years, if, if there's zero progress, if he's not even you know sniffing towards a playoff, uh, you know berth, then I think then then you, then you say okay, you know we gave it everything we had, he's not working out, then get rid of him. But to just do it after you know one year, I think is just a little too fast. I think you're a lot more patient than me. But how, then how would you explain <laughs> Ryan Tannehill? than having a, a career season this season when he gets away from Gase. How do you explain that? I, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe Tannehill just needed a change of pay, you know, a change of scenery. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying Gase is the, the end-all, be-all of the coaches. I'm just saying I think it's a little fast. And football, I know, 16 games, you don't get much, uh, you know, you don't, you don't get much room for error. But I think just, just you got to give him one more season, one more off-season to get, you know, to correct everything that's wrong that he can, and then you know, give him another shot. But just, just you know, to throw the baby out with the bathwater so quickly after just one year, I don't think it's good for the team. I don't think it's good for you know uh, any kind of cohesion with the team. Uh, and they'll have nothing to build on. They'll have a whole new coach, a whole new system. They basically have to start all over again instead of hitting the ground with some kind of knowledge of what. You know, they're going to try to do that year. Right, Brian, and thanks. Yes, and that part I, I do agree with because the, the, the problem was the Jets missed out on, on, on selecting the quarter, uh, on the coach to begin with. They should have picked Mike McCarthy, and now they're stuck with Adam Gase. They're stuck with him. They're going to stick with him because they're stuck with him. 
And that's another year of pitiful football for the New York football Jets. And they are wasting the talent of Sam Darnold. And how is Sam Darnold throwing 45, 48 passes in a game versus the team that has the worst rush defense in the entire league? And you got Le'Veon Bell on your team, by the way. And I know Gase didn't want him to begin with, and maybe that's just Gase. Maybe he's like, well, I didn't want him to begin with. I'm not going to put him in a position to succeed. That seems like something he would do. I mean, the coach, in my opinion, is losing the locker room, starting with Le'Veon Bell, who's been a, a great soldier for him. I mean, I just I don't understand. I just I don't understand how you can spend days and, and skip your Thanksgiving dinner with your family to game plan for this team, this Bengals team, this 0-11 Bengals team, and still lose the game. And you still lose the game. I just and, and with that loss, you make history. You are the only team. You are the only team in in NFL history to lose to another opponent in the same season with an 0 and seven record or worse. To me, that's enough. And, and to have tickets, I hope I hope the Johnsons check the secondary markets because the tickets are less than seven dollars. Maybe they should lower the beer prices while they're at it. Justin and Dobbs Ferry, you're on the fan. I know this is unorthodox, but if I'm the Jets or the Giants, it looks like both teams should fire their head coaches at this point. But the interesting thing to me, especially for the Giants, because they got the young running back and the young quarterback yeah. together, I, I would I would be in a bidding war for North Turner to come in as the at least as the offensive coordinator and then try and find the right match. I don't know if it's Mike McCarthy as head coach or if you want Ron Rivera, but, you know, the Giants with, with Barkley, you know, North Turner, I mean, he's, he's an NFL, he's basically NFL royalty when it comes to offense, and he's got it. That's the guy you want in there to create some stability, get your offense going, you know, protect your quarterback and, and build a future where you know you're going to be successful with a guy like that. Right. And it, that works for both the running back and the quarterback because you know he's going to protect the quarterback, you're going to bring him along, you get the right guy in there. If you get McCarthy as head coach, you know, great. Maybe there's somebody else out there that North can work with. Maybe it's Ron Rivera if, if he fits. I know people speak very highly of him. You know, that's it an seems like he would be. Yeah. Uh, I just think the North Turner thing for both teams, even the Jets, you know, obviously not with Adam Gates. He's, I mean, he's lost. You, you said it yourself. He game plans, skip Thanksgiving, and you lost to the Bengals, get lost. Yeah. I mean, don't even get on a plane. Just. Stay home. Yep. You know, I don't think they should have hired him to begin with. I yep. never liked the idea. Mm-hmm. I think they missed the boat completely there. Yep. But now that both teams are in this position, with a guy like North Turner out there who's been around and he's successful and he knows what he's doing, he's had to make, you know, I know it's not palatable maybe as a head coach, but definitely as an offensive coordinator. Like I said, I know it's unorthodox to bring in an offensive coordinator and then hire the head coach. But find somebody that wants to bring Norv in here and straighten this thing out, whether you're the Jets or the Giants, especially the Giants, because that's your identity. Run the football, yep. pound it out, you know, and, and play good defense. And Norv has, has, has done that. He's been a part of that everywhere he's been. Yeah, Justin, thanks for the call. Okay. It's a great call. Sorry to cut you off there. But, Ron, see, he brought up a point that Justin did of, of Ron Rivera. I don't think – I'm not so fast on Ron Rivera because – Rivera in his press conference, if you watched it, he pointed out that 
he's been made the team's spokesperson in some controversies in Carolina over the years. Guess who was his GM at for time at times? Dave Gettleman. So I, I know I as I would not want to go back to work for a guy who continuously put me in a bad spot. But that's just me. I don't know. Maybe they could work it out. I don't know. Uh, obviously, more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Hot Stove Baseball is here with Sweeney Murdy in San Diego covering the winter meetings. We'll have all the latest deals and rumors, plus broadcast live, beginning at 6 p.m. tomorrow night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Exclusively on your flagship station for Yankees and New York baseball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And good morning again, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan here with you on WFAN Radio. It's 6 a.m. And we're going to talk some New York sports, obviously. Giants, Jets, Yankees, and the Garrett Cole sweepstakes, and Mets. So, um... What we didn't do a lot of tonight was the Giants, and I and I understand. I understand a lot of you guys want Pat Shermer fired as well. I think we call – well, we can. We cannot all agree that Adam Gase, especially that last caller, but – or one of those last callers. But um, I understand the Pat Shermer thing. I do, I do get it. And – I understand that they're taking their eight-game win streak down the turnpike to Philadelphia. Uh, it's a it's a game that no one seemingly wants to win. It's the least competitive division in all of the NFL. And I also know that the Mets have won a game more recently than the New York Giants. September 29th was the date, and the Mets, actually their game ended two hours after the Giants won that game. So theoretically... The Mets, to the hour, have won their last game of the season before the Giants have won their game, their next game after beating the Washington Redskins. We are, are in week 14 of the NFL season. I understand Saquon Barkley hasn't seen a 100-yard game with DJ as the quarterback. I understand that after 28 games, Shermer has won six less games than Ben McAdoo. I understand you don't like the way he conducts his press conferences. I think there was an article from NJ.com based on Brian Baldinger's, Baldinger's research that Will Hernandez has absolutely regressed, especially in uh, his run blocking grade. I mean, his run blocking went from pro football focus, had him at a 60, it went to a 45.9 from season to season. I mean, he's only a second-year player, but a lot of scouts around the league, according to this article, is saying that Hernandez is frequently making the wrong reads based on the defensive fronts or flat-out missing assignments. And I saw a tweet from Byron Baldinger who who actually illustrated that point. I mean, as a result, those concerns would be justified because Saquon Barkley isn't getting the results that he's expected to get. I mean, the Giants do have a young team. And and if, when you think about their court quarterback, their running back, their cornerbacks, besides Janoris Jenkins, I mean, they're all premier positions, and they all have young guys at those positions. So whose fault is this? I don't know. I just think that Daniel Jones is doing okay. He's the sixth best passer rating for all rookie quarterbacks. He's thrown the most touchdown passes for a rookie, 18. And that's four more than number one overall pick. Kyler Murray, despite all this. And like I said, 
if the Cardinals game turned out differently, if the defense didn't crumble, if Kennard didn't have that scoop score in quarter one of the Lions game, and if Roses was able to successfully make those two field goals in Chicago, we're looking at a Giants team with three more wins than it, than it currently has. So I think on the surface, it might look bad for Pat Shermer, but if you look a little deeper, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. And then, of course, you got Eli Manning starting this Monday night. Dave and Comac, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you? All right, how are you? Thanks for holding. All righty. I'm a big Island fan, and uh, based on what I see tonight, I don't understand how the Islands can go anywhere in the playoffs. They can't beat Dallas. Oh, come on. Come on. And they haven't even played uh, Calgary and Boston, which are the fastest skating, uh, high-shooting teams. Oh, were they? Are they on a what a two-game losing streak? Are they on? Uh, no, because they beat Vegas. So it's okay. So not two in a row yet. Yeah, I mean, I I think I, I think Dave, I think you're a little bit panicking. I mean, we're talking about how bad the Jets and Giants, all these teams are. Oh, and as far as the Giants, I think Daniel Jones is a terrible quarterback. How do you get stripped sacked from from behind? And, and Pat Shermer should be fired, but Daniel Jones is the wrong quarterback for the Giants. Yeah, I, I disagree because how do you get stripped sack from behind? Unless you have eyes in the back of your head, you don't know there's a, there's a guy there running nope, around your offensive line. Eli Manning, though. Eli Manning is, by the way, the the number one. He has the most fumbles in Giants history, by the way. But also, if you compare him to Sam Darnold, you don't see that happening with him. Oh, you're doing the Sam Darnold comparison. Yeah, Sam Darnold's a much better quarterback. It's his second season, too, you know. Well, that's true also, but even in the first season, he was still a much better quarterback than uh, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is like, he don't belong in the NFL. I, I, I'm going to, I think, Dave, I think my jury is still out on Daniel Jones. I, he's got more touchdown passes than Kyler Murray. I mean, 18 touchdown passes. I mean, really. I, I just think that's, that's it's, it's unfair to judge him on that when his receivers create less, except for, um, what's his name, Sterling Shepard. The rest of them create less than one yard of separation. How, how, do, you, how do you connect with, with uh, a receiver that can't create any sort of separation? I understand that, you know, you have to have the pocket awareness and the pocket presence. I get it. But unless you have eyes in the back of your head, you're, you, your offensive line's playing patty cakes. You have Will Hernandez, who, who literally... Let a guy, I watched the video today, let a guy run right through him. Right through him, and he double-teamed the, the, the guy to the left. And then John Jalapio, who is now playing center, looks at him and is like, bro, you're supposed to pick up this guy, this blocker. He's pointing with his hands. You could see it. You could infer the conversation that was happening. So uh, I, I am not so sure on that. And when you look at Daniel Jones, he hasn't played in every game this season, you know. He's, he's, he's ranked, he's tied with Tom Brady, by the way, for touchdown passes this season. Daniel Jones is tied with Tom Brady for touchdown passes this season with 18. They both have 18. And Tom Brady has two more games than Daniel Jones. Well, I, I don't know about the bye week, but Tom Brady has played in more games than Daniel Jones. Okay? And Daniel Jones has, the guy wanted to compare him to uh, Sam Darnold. Well, Sam Darnold only has 13 touchdown passes. He's tied for 24th with Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jared Goff, et cetera. So uh, I think the jury's still out. My jury is still out on Daniel Jones. I'm sorry that yours has already been decided, um, but that's how it is. Eric in Runconcoma, how are you this week? 
Hey, Daniel, how are you? Good, how are you? Uh, b- before I get to my Marisnik point, I mean, like, speaking of the Jet fan, uh, let's remember, Darnold got benched last year, too, for a few games. Yep. So, you know, the, so you know, their last caller, I mean, I'm a Jet fan and an Islander fan, and I'm nowhere near panicking on the Islanders, <laughs> you know, because of one loss to Dallas. I know. Okay, come on, we right. have plenty of time. Exactly. Okay. And, and you have the best uh, coach in the New York metro area, by the way. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I, I wish everybody would... Uh, Take you know, a page I out of his clone, book. Clone these guys and, and put them on the other teams. I know. know. Oh, I know. Uh, okay, uh, I heard your last point on Marisnik on there, but mm-hmm. it almost seems like they kind of bookended the weekend uh, w- w- with the, with the Mets. Kind of weird. The first Wheeler goes to the Philly. Yeah. Then you know, so everyone's kind of on a down note on there. I mean, I didn't expect them to keep them anyway. Unfortunately, then then you get the good news about the the potential sale because uh, I'm not going to believe it until I see it actually there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, to Steve Cohen. Yep. But then, then the Marisnik thing do, doesn't excite me at all. I mean, a lot of people are comparing him to, to Lagaris, and let's be honest, Lagaris really didn't light the Mets on fire. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you, you said and others, you know, as far as Marte and some others, you know, that that they could have had. I mean, you know, it just almost like a like a slap in the face, like a reminder who the current owner still is on yeah. there. Yeah, I, and, yeah, and I think that's a good way to put it, really. I think that, like I said, Marte would have been, you know, you know, Marte would have been the guy, and they ended up Absolutely. settling for Marisnik. I get it. Um, I just think that, I think it's some sort of like an insurance policy-ish that, that it's he's not going to be your everyday center fielder, I don't, at least I don't think. Um, well, I, but that's what worries me. I mean, because the, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. The, it just seems like they, they, they tend to try to plug in players to, to positions that they think might, work well, but they're not the natural positions. Yeah, that bothers me, you know, especially with like the yeah. Dom Smith experiment and the McNeil in the outfield. I don't like that. Right, so yeah. it seems like they picked up another guy where they can continue to do that and you know keep these guys in their natural positions on there and go and get... again. Now, it's not going to happen now because they already got uh, Marisnik on there unless they end up turning around and trading him to someone else, but... Uh, I, I don't see that happening on there, but I mean, but yeah, it just it, it kind of annoys me when that whole thing. And then, you know, the, well, you know, Beltran can can work with them. They, well, that's great, but you know, there's, there's no guarantee anything's going to happen. But yeah, anyway, so, yeah, you enjoy enjoy the rest of your weekend, then, Daniel. Uh, thanks, you too, Eric. Um, and and Marzik, I just wanted to maybe tell him before he, I, I just dumped him there, but Marzik has played most of his games in center field. He's played like five, something like 533 games in center field, so he is a center fielder defensively. As far as his bat, uh, to be determined, I would say. Noah in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. It's uh first time caller. All right. Uh, I love to um, listen to you, and I'm, I'm I'm glad you're on the air, and I hope to hear more from you. Thank listen, you. Listen, I'm a long time I'm a long time Jet fan, and um, I, you know I can't stand Adam Gase, and I, know, I understand we have to deal with him, but. Here's something that I think that um, a lot of people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but I didn't want Sam Donald as a quarterback. I never liked USC quarterbacks. I, I just, they don't do well in the Mark NFL. Sanchez. He did okay, they, though. But fumble. He, no, but he brought them I, to I the mean, AFC Matt championship. Liner, it was the partier. And I mean, and I just, I just, I mean, just the players from USC are not that good. We had Teddy Bridgewater. This guy came in yeah. for Drew Brees. Yeah. And won four games. Yep. I mean, good games. Yep. Big, big time teams. And we just, this is what we do all the time. We let, we let good guys go and we keep players that aren't good. I mean, I just, I'm tired of it. I mean, Ken O'Brien. <laughs> I, I'm not, no, back listen, that far. 
Neil O'Donnell. I stay with them, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's difficult. It's difficult watching them because we have sometimes we get we'll have good wide receivers and not a good quarterback, yep. or we'll have good defensive linemen and not good cornerbacks, or we'll have good safeties and not good defensive line. It's just it's always something. Like why can't we get a guy like the Mets just got who brought the team? Like why can't we get a guy who <laughs> loves the Jets and is a billionaire who lives in Greenwich Village and just buys the team and says, "Listen." I'm going to make everything better. I mean, really, the last time I wasn't even born, it's, it's Broadway Joe. Yeah, well, that's way beyond my time, too. But I think it's it, way beyond my time, too. <laughs> and, 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 and Butt Fumble is literally the last time that we had a good team yeah. was with Mr. Butt Fumble. Now he's over there on, on ESPN and whatever, you know, doing college games. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I, I do get it, Noah, and I, I feel like I'm therapy sometimes, especially for Jets fans, but uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, there's nothing more, but I do want to say, though, that Mark Sanchez, not in defense of him totally, I mean, the butt fumble was, I think, the only time I've ever turned off a Jet game, really, honestly. Um, I do watch them all. I suffer through them all, but um, he did bring them to an AFC championship game, I think twice, back-to-back years, I believe, but that was Mangini's team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I, I, that 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 details escaping me at the at the second, um. But that's that's where it stands. So so we have Daniel Jones having a sprained ankle, and Eli Manning's going to be in for him in prime time on Monday Night Football. Um, I I was curious. I looked up Manning's record on Monday Night Football in his career. Manning is eleven and ten under the bright lights in his career, um, which is basically true to form on his career. He's a career five hundred quarterback and. I'm sure he's going to be playing to 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 get over that because this might be his last game in the NFL. Who knows? Um, and and everybody's like playing the nostalgia factor with Eli. I get it and everything, um, but he was benched because his quarterback rating was like seventy something. That's why he was benched for Daniel Jones. And you know Eli's ready. You, you saw the quotes all week saying like that. Oh, there's a there's a, a fire in his eyes or, or whatever. Um, but actually, my player to watch this week is not its not Eli Manning. It's actually Saquon Barkley. And, you know, I just think that the way that Manning can diagnose de- defenses and, and, and position players to free up other players, I think, and this is not a knock on Daniel Jones. He's been in season one. He's been in the, the, the NFL for one season. I'm just saying that Eli Manning has a way of doing that, that, that may help the offense. And and Saquon Barkley, the quote was basically that too. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. So my my player to watch is Saquon Barkley this week, um, and I think everybody was going to enjoy the, the Eli Manning factor. Although he is the NFL, the the Giants leader in fumbles. Just so just so everybody's clear on that. But Daniel Jones is making his way up there. He's Daniel Jones. I got to look at it on the break. I think he's like eleventh all time on Giants and fumbles. I, I can I can look that up for you. Um, but we'll catch uh, more of you guys on the on the phones after the break. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I'm Daniel McCartan on the Fan. Hi, this is Bob Papa. Join me along with Carl Banks and Howard Cross tomorrow night for Giants football as Big Blue heads down to Philly to take on the Eagles in the first two meetings this season. Our coverage gets underway at 6.45 right after a special hot stove baseball show with Sweeney Murdy live at baseball's winter meetings in San Diego here on your flagship station for Giants football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. Good morning, everybody. Again, I'm Daniel McCartan here for the final time 
with you on WFAN Radio. Uh, I'm going to be on, uh, I was just telling Marco, I'm going to be on next time. It's going to be Friday night of this coming week. So Friday night into Saturday, same two to six, same time slot, two to six. So see you guys then. You can mark it down now. Um, so um, we are rolling towards the end here. We got, I never made my Giants prediction. Let me do that really quickly. Um, and Oh, and I have one correction to make. I said that Daniel Jones was 11th. I knew that didn't sound right as soon as it came out of my mouth. 11th on the all-time Giants fumbles list. No, he's played in 11 games. That's why it was stuck in my head. Daniel Jones in only 11 games is ranked still, though, 29th on the list of all-time Giants fumbles in his first season. He's 29th on the list. Yeah, it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. But that that is not a direct correlation to the head coach. I'm sorry. It's not. It falls on the offensive line coach. There's also something called the quarterback's coach, all that. So, yes, uh, in 11 games, he's ranked tied for 29th on the all-time list. So, uh, the prediction I never got to. Um, I think, um, I, I just, I don't think Eli Manning is just done just yet. So, I think this might be the audition. I hate to say it like that, but I think this is Eli's audition for 2020. I think he's he's ready. Eli Manning is, is ready. And... For that reason, and my question is, uh, will Eli play elsewhere in 2020? You got to think about the money. And then, you know, I asked Phil Sims this because Phil Sims, you know, was obviously let go a little, uh, let's say, abruptly. Um, and I asked about him, like, w- would you have considered to play elsewhere? You know, there's a lot of parallels between Sims and, and Manning. And he said that, basically I'm paraphrasing, but he said that you have to think about relocation, not just for yourself, but for your family. And... um that's why he didn't leave the Giants to play. He, he said he almost slipped. He didn't tell me which team, but he did say it was a Florida team. He said he was all set. Then the wife was like, all right, you go have fun. I'll be here with the kids. And he was like, oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Can't do that. So my prediction, all, the Giants are nine and a half point underdogs to the Eagles. And I don't know how it happens. And I'm not even sure I believe it myself. Maybe Manning feels like he's got so much more to prove that he just has one of those games. I'm saying Giants 24, Eagles 21. I know you're probably like, what? I'm not sure I totally believe it either, but I don't know. I just, I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling. Mike in East Rockaway, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Good show. Thank Good you. stuff behind the microphone, and the signal's coming in nice and clear Perfect. in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Kakalaki. <laughs> 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 well, I got I got to laugh. I'm, I'm a long-time Jet fan and Mets fan. I used to watch... The Jets and Hofstra as a kid, even back to the Joe Willie name of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, one caller before, you know, he, he doesn't like USC players and quarterback Sam Donald. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I yeah, mean, you got to come up with stuff uh, a little bit better than that. But with the Jets, Danielle, I was laughing when you mentioned on the stub hub, you know, nosebleed <laughs> seats, $6. Yeah, You're yeah. paying less uh, for, for a seat than you would for uh, parking or a hot dog. I, I was just going to say parking, too. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know, and, and the Giants fans, I they, they must be you know pulling whatever hairs left to, out of their head. Um, who's going to go first, Shermer, Shermer or, or Gase? Ah. My guess is, yeah, um, you could flip a coin because because either one of them could go out the door, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's with the Jets, Danielle. It's S O J, same old Jets and S O S, same old sugar, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Uh, what the Johnsons are more concerned about, I think, is their is their products, the baby powder products, and everything else. But I'll yeah. continue to be a Jet fan and a Mets fan. 
because in the world we live in, there are too many fair weather fans. They want to jump away from being a fan of their team, and that's not me. But um, I hope you know they can salvage whatever's left of the season. And the Jets, just when we think they had a uh, you know a run coming up, when they beat the Raiders and they get blown out by the zero and twelve Bengals. Well, so, over, over uh, eleven at the time. Let's not you know. Oh, uh, eleven. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. that's right. Yeah. But uh, you know what, Danielle? Uh, I'll leave you with this. Any anybody that keeps calling, and I listen, it's theater overnight. I, I've been an overnight guy for a long time. Mm. If they mention Rex Ryan again and coming back to the Jets, <laughs> I call him a cartoon character. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Right, because when he was uh, re-signed, the Johnsons, as you know, fired the GM, the offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. Yeah. And they hold on to this to this plan. But they, they, need, uh, they need a transfusion, so do the Giants. Danielle? Yep. Uh, always good chatting with you. Always good looking at you on, on the fan. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate the call. And let's kind of mow through. If you guys want to get on, 877-337-6666. We are running out of time. Marty in Westchester, you're on the fan. Yes, good morning, Danielle. I'll make it real quick. Yeah, okay. uh, The, the uh, matchup of the day today, uh, and fortunately it's being shown locally at 1 o'clock, is the 49ers and, uh, and the uh, Saints. And the Saints. And, uh, and we're, watching, we're stuck watching the Jet game, but go ahead. Yeah, well, I'm a Giant fan, so I'm going to go switch back and forth between the two games. But yeah. uh, 49ers, uh, this is a really big game for them because they're in a battle with uh, the Seahawks in the NFC West. Mm-hmm. And a big difference between winning that division and being a wild card. I mean, they could be a 12-1 team and be like the number five seed. Yeah. Uh, and the Saints are in good shape in the uh, in the uh, NFC South, uh, and they're fighting for number one seed also. How do you look at that the game? The Saints locked up the NFC South. I think it was last week they locked it up. Mm-hmm. At ten and two. Oh, they did lock it up. Okay. Yeah, they did. Yeah, so they okay. are. They're projected to be the number one seed in the, in the NFC right now. I see. Right. Uh, and you're right. The, the 49ers are projected to be the fifth seed. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a very interesting game, Marty. And thanks for the call. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I'm, I'm sad that we're stuck, you know, zoning into the Jets at one. I, I wish that was a primetime game, honestly. And and like you said, when you look at the 49ers and Seahawks in that NFC West, they're both sitting at ten and two. One of those teams gets to win the division. And then you look at the NFC East, and the Cowboys are sitting atop at six and seven, which is absolutely brutal. And it was—it's just—I I, just—I don't know if it's—you know—you have to win the division. I get it, but when you win ten games and you're the wild card team, anything can happen at that point. I don't know. Um, so I think 49ers, Saints. Although I, I think I, I would like to say 49ers in this game. I'm not totally positive that they are going to to pull this one off. It is the Saints, and they are at home, and they do have Drew Brees. Uh, so I'm going Saints in this game just for that. I mean, it, it's it's hard to play there. It's very hard. So I'm going Saints in that game. Jim in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Uh, Daniel, how are you doing? Okay, how are you? I'm a fan of the Giants, and I'm a fan of yours. Thank you. Uh, I want to get right to Eli Manning. You know, he's got some strong points in this game, and, of course, everybody knows the weak points in this game mm-hmm. that the defense never has to worry about him running, mm-hmm. so that you know that helps the defense out. The strong point of his game, I like his hard counts. So uh, Daniel Jones, you know, if he can uh, get that over to Daniel Jones, if Daniel Jones can learn from that, and if Daniel Jones can do the hard counts like Eli Manning does, that's a good plus. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I think that's, Eli Manning, yeah, uh, I just think know, that's something you, you learn with experience. I don't know if that comes in, in, in the rookie year when you're just trying to, to, to stay well, afloat, really. There's, there's a lot of quarterbacks that have been around for many years that can't do the hard counts the way Eli Manning does it, and uh, a couple other quarterbacks do it really good. Mm-hmm. But Eli Manning's one of the better ones at that. And uh, Eli Manning dumps the ball off pretty good. You know, Daniel Jones maybe holds on to the ball a little too long if he can dump the ball off a little better. He does, yeah. He, Daniel Jones holds on to the ball three-tenths of a second longer than Eli Manning. A little better with Eli Manning. So I don't know if that has something to do with Eli versus uh, Daniel, but uh, that's it. I know time's so short, so I'm going to go. Yeah, Jim, thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, Eli Manning holds uh, – Daniel Jones holds on to the ball three-tenths of a second longer than Eli Manning, and that is – uh, with an offensive line that's crumbling around you, that is a long period of time. That is a long, too long of a period of time. Jeff in Jersey City, you're on the fan. Uh, Danielle, I love your show. Thank you so much. Thank I'll you. Be quick with some comments quickly here. Um, uh, first on uh, uh, the Knickerbocker coach, uh, Mark Jackson would be my selection. I, I just hope and pray he, he gets there. And the Jets and the Giants, I think. Uh, I definitely agree with you uh, about the, the, the giant coach and the quarterback contingent on his development. And, you know, so far the quarterback's making progress and, and maybe, give, you know, give Shermer another year to work with him uh, quickly because we're ahead of time. Yeah. yeah. And I love the way you do your, um, you, you, you know, you make your statement and you back everything up. Yeah. You do your homework. Uh, I, I, I love that so much. Um and by the way, the Yankees hired a, a, a good coach, uh, Rachel uh, Balkovich. The hitting uh, coach. Balkovich, yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, she, I read her bio. Outstanding. Good for her. Uh, yep. One one day could be, a, you know, a, a, a manager. Who, who knows? Yeah. Uh, and, one, and you know what, too? I just, just, I just love your show. I hope Thank you, you get a constant um, uh, schedule. Because sometimes I, I don't I don't find you on the on the dial there. Yeah, yeah. But um, and you know you, you talk about your, your the dinner that you had, which is ter- terrific. Um, and I want to ask you a quick quick question. You ever hear of a, 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 a veteran player? Uh, his name is Rocky Calavito. Uh, yes, he was a I have. Fight. And you know what? He would have been uh, like you know an Italian American mm-hmm. hero, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe for your for your dinner. And there's not enough room in the hall probably for everybody. Um, and we're running out of time. I'm going to end you with this last um, question, Danielle, on the Mets. Um, the new owner that they have, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not confident yet, and I really can't wait five years. If yeah. he's going to be the owner and he's putting this much into the team, he ought to jump into the office, yep. throw all the losers out of there, and he ought to take over. When do you think he's going to make his first deal? When do you think he's going to make his first or, uh, you know, have have his first input on the team. Yeah, Jeff, thanks for the call. And we are up a little bit against the end here. But I, I just think that if I'm investing hundreds of millions of dollars into something, I want to have a say as soon as possible. So I, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think next year, I think Mets fans can see the trickle-down effect of, of the billionaire Cohen, who is within five years going to be the majority owner of the team. And that is the holidays come early for Mets fans. And hopefully the holidays will come early for the Yankees fans as well in terms of Garrett Cole signing with the team. He you know, has met with Yankees brass all in California. I mean, everybody, Cashman, Fishman, Boone, Matt Blake, Andy Pettit, they all got on a plane, and I do think that uh, that he will be um, locked up. I, I do th- locked up, no, not in jail, locked up with the Yankees sooner rather than later. I mean, for the reasons I outlined, he's obviously a Yankees fan growing up. 
stayed in the same team hotel as the Yankees when they played in the World Series in Arizona. Was starstruck by Jeter, Williams, and O'Neill in the lobby. Come on. Love CC Sabathia. I've got this source, closest situation, telling me that Andy Pettit was telling so-and-so that the meeting went really well. Um, and both signs are totally engaged. The family ties, the, the, the money, the pitching coach change, which I think was a way to allure him there. I think it's all working in the Yankees' favor. Uh, thanks to all the callers tonight. Could not have done it without you guys. Been a fun four hours. Love coming here. Great job to Nick behind the glass. Marco on the updates. Enjoy NFL Week 14 action later today where the Giants, the Jets, are five-and-a-half-point favorites to the visiting Miami Dolphins. Tickets are $6 each. Why don't you guys just go? Giants are nine-and-a-half-point underdogs to Carson Wentz. Eagles in Philadelphia. Write it down. See you guys next Friday into Saturday, 2 to 6 a.m. Hit my socials in the meantime at Coach McCartan and Facebook.com slash Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Let's keep the conversation going. See you guys on Friday. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66. The Fan W.